0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Toes and This episode is being brought to you in part by our friends at Ultimate Predator Gear, Hurley, Oakley, GoPro, Kona Coffee Tea, Mavericks, Sport Fishing, Deuce Gym, Original Nutritionals, and Mokulele Airlines. And if you're ever over here on the Big Island, don't forget to make your first stop to Kona Boys. We have two shops One down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel and one down in Kaleke They're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate a legit selection of stand-up paddle boards, kayaks, boogie boards, and everything that you can think of for your ocean activities. Um, Frank and Brock, they're the men. I love them and the whole team that works there with them. uh, You can also check them out online at konaboys.com. And uh just when you're going in there and seeing all the cool stuff that they have, um if you want to buy anything, just punch in promo code Nose, and you can get 15% off. So that's Nose 15% off promo code, or if you're in the store, just uh tell them you heard it on Doznos and they'll give you the same deal. Um don't forget you guys can find me on Instagram at Dozerdave and also Doze Nose Podcast. Um, on Facebook, it's uh, Dozer Dave Barnett and Doze Nose. On Twitter, it's Dozer Dave Knows and doznose.com where you can see a more in-depth look at all our guests and uh, links to our sponsors and other good deals that we have coming on. Now, you guys saw um, a couple of weeks ago I had a giveaway. So if you follow me on social media... Um, You'll see that I do giveaways every once in a while. So two weeks ago, we had uh, two round-trip free tickets anywhere Mokulele Airline flies here in Hawaii. And our friend Shannon Harrison won. Congratulations out to her. Um, we've got more coming up this week. So uh, stay tuned. Check out my social media. And uh, you too could have a chance to win. Um, I usually just ask a question and you got to tell me where it came from and who said it. So, uh, check me out and, uh, watch out for those giveaways. Well, tonight was an amazing night. Uh, we had the fight, (laughs) the the big fight everyone's been waiting for, uh, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Um, and it was, it was a good one. I got to tell you, my house was packed. I had tons of friends over here. We had a lot of food, um, food. People watching, cheering, yelling, bets going on. It was a good time. These guys did not disappoint and uh, had a blast. But one of my, get, my one of my friends that was over here uh, ended up staying late, and we were able to knock out a podcast. And I love this guy. His name is Ryan Katsu, and uh, he's a badass archer, um, and he does it all different styles from the longbow uh, to compound bows. You name it, he can do it all and he's also you know what's great about ryan is he's pretty much the voice of the big island for the people um, when it comes to hunting over here Um, he represents everyone out here he loves this place not just on the big island but the whole state of hawaii and travels a lot gets to experience some really cool adventures and uh we were, were able to sit down and just talk story and um hear about some of those adventures and what's going on here uh in our state and how we can help make a change and a difference so uh let's give a big warm welcome to ryan welcome to those knows dozer dude. thank you for having me yeah well we've had a great night tonight um tonight was the big night we had the conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather i kept screwing that up i was calling him Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> shane was all over my ass he's like dude it's mayweather man it's mayweather. and his his wife lisa she's like i've been calling him Merryweather too <laughs> But well, uh,
1: yeah, he did walk out in a like a gimp mask. Dude, <laughs> how cool was that outfit? I was like, like what the heck? Uh, you don't want anyone to see your face or something? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was good, but it, yeah, was, it was good. It was uh, we had a packed house in here. Uh, we had venison tacos for dinner. Shane brought uh, all the meat over for that, and sure, we went to town and everybody just had a good time watching this fight. Now, who'd you pick to win?
1: I actually, I actually, in my mind, I, I kind of wanted McGregor to win just uh-huh. because you know, you know, he's kind of the underdog. That's not what he does, right? I mean, right. This is a boxing match. He's not a boxer. You, ultimate fighting's a completely different thing. It's, it's like just because I can swim, I'm not gonna go out there and sh- surf with Shane Dorian, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, but he did. I think he did pretty damn good. I mean, well,
0: I was kind of hoping he'd win just because you know. MMA is so freaking insane, and these guys—they do it all, you know. And boxing yeah. is more of a, just a, a one deal. And you saw—you saw McGregor during the fight. You know, he's trying to do some hammer fists and <laughs> and come from behind and stuff. You're just not allowed to do. Stuff, yeah, it's reflex. Right? Stuff. Yeah, reflex for him, Yeah. But um, yeah. The I I always had a feeling that um, you know, I wanted him to win just. To show that MMA, just like the rest of the MMA world, wanted him yeah. to win, just to say, "Hey, you know, we are actually the baddest guys yeah, yeah. out there on the planet." Yeah,
1: you I,
2: know?
0: I think he showed it, though.
1: I mean, I think he showed that you know you can stand with the best for at least a bunch of rounds, yeah. Not just totally uh, dominated, right? So, yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, looked like in the beginning it was Mayweather just kind of feeling them out and knowing yeah. that you know, knowing that. Connor was looking really long, good in the beginning. He doesn't do long good. fights and he was looking good in the beginning, but you know, the the gas kinda ran out, I guess, yeah. it's not what he does. So
0: Yeah, that and yeah. that was the one thing that worried me was the stamina. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether he was going to be able to continue that stamina throughout that whole fight because it is a longer fight than what he's normally used to. And um I know neither one of us are MMA experts, but
1: actually no, I'm... Um, since five years old I I, I play judo. Uh,
0: oh well, okay, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> I just but no, something No, not new. not great
1: though. You know, <laughs> not great. If I was great, I'd still be doing it, but you get hurt. I just I just
0: stuff. happen to have a yeah. good a lot of MMA friends. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So
1: And we don't fight that long, you know, our our judo matches are like three to five minutes, not freaking twenty minutes. We'd probably be right. dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're elite athletes. No, these
0: guys are yeah. top shape. <laughs> And you saw him last night during the weigh-in. You know they were just ripped out. Yeah. And then they come in tonight, and you know, like like we were saying, Conor McGregor was just he was straight up in the beginning, the first sure. six rounds, he was owning it.
1: Sure. Yeah. And
0: then uh, Mayweather just you know he he saw what was going on, yep. and then all of a sudden he saw Conor just start dropping his paws, and that was that was the time he yeah. knew
1: he had the game plan. You know. He did. He had the long game.
0: So Yeah, and he definitely showed it. And, you know, he was really good at the end of the fight, too, where he's, he was really humble. And he's like, yeah, thank you, Ireland. Thank you, Connor. Yeah. Thanks to all the MMA fans. And thank you for my $800 million yeah. check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to the strip club.
1: <laughs> I take a few cracks in the head for $800 million. Right?
0: <laughs> I'll totally take <laughs> yeah. a couple of those hammer fists. <laughs> But it was good fun. It was really good fun. And, um, you know, you and I have been planning on doing this for uh, a couple of weeks now. Sure. And uh, it just happened to work out where the fight was on tonight. And so it was good. You know, you got to finally come over here and and meet some some people that you haven't met before. And what were your thoughts on that?
1: No, it's an awesome crowd. You have a a good company, Dozer. Yeah. and it's a it's a Hawaii thing, you know. We we live yeah. on an island. Everybody knows each other to some degree. So uh, you know, we're all polite, and, and in some fashion, maybe even more than uh, than islands that are more crowded. Maybe like Oahu, there's not that anonymity on, right. on the Big Island. You, eventually, you're gonna run into people that you you all have a common uh, common friendship with. So right,
0: right. Yeah, so, uh, and uh, you know, I haven't got to personally hang out with you before, and. Um, We've uh, talked before. Yeah, I seen you at the airport in the nine yeah, months. Yeah. That. yeah, But you know, never really getting to spend any good quality time, and oh. and you know, I followed you forever. You know, on sure. Facebook and Instagram, and and all your travels and experiences that you've been doing, and uh, and and then just and watching all of your, um, you know, some of the stories that you're just telling. You know, not just about your hunting experiences, but also just what's going on mainly here on the Big Island. And, um, and you know, I, when I talk to my friends, we've always considered you pretty much the voice of the Big Island, you know, when it comes to sure. um, dealing with what's going on in our own environment, not just on the Big Island, but in the state of Hawaii, and dealing with our hunting, dealing with what the DLNR is doing and what the state is doing um, as far as, some of these feral animals that we have on all our islands, and how they handle those situations, and mm-hmm. how we get screwed on a lot of these, yeah. and how the animals actually get screwed on a lot of this stuff. Sure, sure. And so it's been it's been pretty fun following you and watching and learning from you. And uh, so I was really excited to have you on the show so that we could uh, get in depth and and see what's inside your mind. <laughs> you know,
1: sure, yeah, I I, I hold back a lot. You know, it's it's highly political, all yeah. this stuff. And you know, maybe this is the venue. Uh I don't wanna Oh, I, you can say whatever the hell you want, Yeah, I put the, the, dis- yeah, want I put the disclaimer, man. man. Like, M- there is know. no disclaimers on this uh, show. So folks, folks might get a little butt heard about stuff. Let but let's let's be the you know, There's some um, there's gonna be at least some basis of truth in, in what I in what I'm about to say and uh Hopefully you can just take that for what it's worth. You know, right, don't don't, right. don't think too deeply into it. It just well, is we all have our is. own opinions, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: So this is just another man's opinion coming out yeah. here that uh, we all highly regard. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: but yeah, I just kind of fell into it by by mistake. I think I didn't want to be the, a voice for hunting in Hawaii. It was just something, um, I fell into. I I had an experience one time. Uh, going on a uh, more environmental type tour. It was kind of Mm -hmm. a forest and bird tour. And I'm not so sure the people in the group at that time knew I hunted. Right There's this, uh, you know, people don't know, there's this uh, somewhat maybe adversarial uh, uh, relationship between hunters and environmentalists in some Mm -hmm. states, uh, in some instances. And uh, Hawaii is definitely one of them. Um, You know, we... They... Basically, want to control public land and what we do on it, and sometimes they vilify uh, hunting or the maintenance of our public hunting in Hawaii, maintenance of non-native species that we have here, which mm-hmm. I can explain later. But uh, um, yeah, the general gist is there's uh, they don't like the idea of the of the species that we hunt and that we maintain them. You know? Right, so.
0: but you know these animals have been here for a long time too. Sure. Yeah. You know?
2: I
1: mean, even like the pig came came with the Polynesians before sure. there were even a such thing as Hawaiians. They were Polynesians, and the right. Polynesians ate pigs and dogs, and
0: they brought them with them.
1: They brought them with them. They even brought rats in some instances. And some people might say, "Well, maybe they didn't want to eat the rat," but you know, there's a there's a kind of uh, famous wildlife biologist in Hilo, uh, Joey, and uh, he tells a story of what well, if a rat was on a canoe running around you'd probably notice it as you're you're traveling, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles across the ocean. So if you didn't want it there, you'd probably send that rat swimming. Right. So maybe they ate the rats too. You never know, 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 man. Some people get upset about that. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, I mean, the gist is these non-native things came with man, right? Right. And and some other things. And our islands are so isolated that uh, the species, you know, all of our species evolved in isolation for millions of years. And as a result of that, you know, we are sometimes coined the endangered species capital of the world. Mm. So, like, you know, you can't turn over a rock or even find a, a few hundred acres here without, like, maybe running into some kind of policy of, oh, there's endangered species or here's critical habitat or something like that. Oh, and,
0: that's every single where you go. And, you go and the oh, crazy yeah. thing is, it's usually a bird. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> or a bug. or A yeah. bird or a bug or a plant. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And we need to get the sheep out of here sure. right now. And we need to fence this entire thing off. Yeah. Um, because this one bird is nesting here. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and yeah. I've been in those areas and I've not seen one of those birds. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not one of those birds. But yet uh, what's amazing is after they fence it off, yeah. they get they eradicate the sheep sure. and the pigs or whatever. Yeah. Um the area just grows so thick and jungly mm-hmm. that it's out of control. Yeah. You yeah. know.
1: But yeah, there's um I mean, to temper that back obviously every situation is different. So I know I know some environmentalists, I may listen to this, might have freaked out about what you just said, mm-hmm. but um to their credit, I've seen uh, areas they have fence where their intent, the native forest or whatever species, has proliferated as a result of it.
2: Sure. I've seen but, that as well.
1: I have also seen areas where we fence it off and we get rid of everything, and we just grow non-native weeds. We just grow invasive weeds all day. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, as as a pers- as a local person that grew up here for so long, doing these cultural things. I mean, hunting is a large part of our culture here mm-hmm. in Hawaii. I mean, you can't. You know, maybe it's not as so visible on on the Big Island or Oahu or crowded crowded islands, but. You go someplace like Lanai or Molokai, where milk is nine dollars. You know, gasoline is almost six bucks. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge, a huge uh, plethora of jobs for people to take or money. How do they survive? They yeah. survive eating deer, off the land, eating sheep, eating the fish in the ocean, and those kinds of things. So, um, it's a, it's a culture. And, and not too long ago, our islands weren't were like that. You know, Big mm-hmm. Island and Oahu before absolutely. we modernized. So, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a huge connection to these species for some people. And uh, you know, to to take away public land and then these and then these people with this connection look at it and see it over decades not do what it was intended to do, what they said they would do with it. Right. Really, I mean sometimes that you know, that'll piss anybody off. Right. Like you gave you gave up what you own, what a part part of you owned as public land for some other uh, group to do whatever they wanna do forever and you don't see it happening
0: and you know anyone would be upset i just it freaks people out but yeah well you know we're dealing with issues like that right now with certain areas that you know we're able to hunt in um such as kipuka I know. <laughs> and um sure. that big beautiful hybrid ram that i have up there oh, is that, is actually from there oh yeah and That's awesome. uh now it's all shut down. We can't yeah. even hunt in there.
1: Yeah, so that one is that one is a different little bit different story, you know, for um maybe the broader public wouldn't know, but for the guys here, your viewers here that wanna hunt and know that kind of thing. Uh, you have a lot
0: of lot of listeners on this it, island. Yeah. So
1: So like um, you know, that that was a whole that was political turmoil that got that erased. So it was an area that the Department of Hawaiian homes owns. Their mission is to build homes and put Hawaiians back on all of these uh um, I don't know what the proper term is, but these lands that aren't uh, aren't state public lands. Yeah, mm-hmm. these are uh, other lands, I guess. Uh, but uh, they're supposed to be. Now about, I heard Hawaiian
0: homelands. Hawaiian
1: homelands. Yeah, yeah. So, owns that. Owns that. Yeah. So they our state.
0: Now you want to explain own, what Hawaiian homelands is?
1: Oh, they're. I don't know because for charter, for the people that yeah
0: don't live here in Hawaii, I don't live they're here. Like, yeah, they're like, a, what is Hawaiian homelands? <clears throat>
1: I don't know the deep history, but I know somewhere in like the, quite a while or maybe early 1900s or 1800s, they created this Hawaiian Homes Commission Act. Right. And that act was to um, basically put Hawaiians back on the land. Mm-hmm. Kind of, a, you know, almost like Native Americans getting displaced. And sure. then this was kind of a uh, maybe reparation type or, a, um, I don't want to use the word entitlement, but. <laughs> I don't know what else to... Right. What else no, it is. Call. No, yeah. seriously. So they build homes and uh, some people have to pay for them, but some of them are kind of uh, cheaper, you know, like a dollar mm-hmm. or something. And, and they put Hawaiians back on the land in these homes. And then they also have big commercial leases, our malls, uh, all sure. these things are, are on it. And uh, they make revenue from that. And they're supposed to use that to uh, put people, put their Hawaiian people back on land. You need 50% quantum yeah. to get a house. And uh, uh, there's some rules to pass that down. But uh, anyway, um, you know, that 50% is still a big list of people. I hear it's like thousands on this island or something like that. Right. So uh, you're not building thousands of homes tomorrow. No. These people have been waiting forever. They're upset they don't have their house yet. And, um, you know, as a result, losing Kipu Kaino, the hunting area, they just showed up. DLNR shows up saying, hey, we want to lease it. And, of course, you're... You know, your few beneficiaries looking at this saying, "Well, how come you're making room for DLNR to do stuff? Where's my house?" They were upset, and they, <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't, they didn't want to. Stay,
0: even even stay, though it's in want, the middle of nowhere.
1: Middle of nowhere, conservation zone land. Yeah. Um, it's all mostly lava rocks. There's no utilities. Uh, no. There's one transmission line across across Seattle, but there's no, you know, no water or sewer or anything like that no no and
0: far from it
1: yeah and you know its highest value is being conservation but Mm i don't know you know it's 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 a political turmoil that uh that we face and it's unfortunate that you know as hunters we kind of are a minority in hawaii yeah i wish i wish more local people would adopt that you know hunting and fishing this kind of outdoor gathering activity is is part of our culture it's what makes us hawaii right you know um i mean and in a lot of other rural places too, so it's the same way but uh here it's like you can just go like a couple minutes to the ocean and go fishing you right. can go a few hours to the mountain and go, go hunting. hunting yeah you can't do that in a lot of places you know like mm. we, we have this special mm. thing here and it seems like uh,
0: so how do we protect that what are you know. doing to help us protect that? So,
1: yeah, what, what I do is uh, I have media. I have YouTube media of hunting stuff. Hopefully mm-hmm. some people want to get into it, seeing it. I have to do a better job at that. It's hard. Uh, it's not my day. but <laughs> I have a day job, and I do this on the side. Right. But uh, I also serve on the state. Uh, we have a state game commission that was uh-huh. formed uh, a uh, couple of years ago. We got the legislation to get that done. It was hard, um, mm-hmm. you know. Our opposition came out <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: saying, why should we do this? And there was some...
0: And who is your opposition?
1: Oh, the opposition, we got, you know, uh, non-governmental NGOs, uh, okay. environmental NGOs, like the Conservation Council mm-hmm. for Hawaii. Um, who else? There's there's a few others. But basically the, the notion was, why should we give hunters a, a commission to guide them on game management in, in Hawaii? Right. Why should they have an extra say? They felt that um, it would skew the state's decisions uh toward hunters right. which maybe back in the 70s or 60s that was a thing mm-hmm. but today i think we're completely on the other side of that pendulum like right. today we're like everything's environmental like yeah. like there's one moth here fences get rid of this whole place kill all the sheep you hunters sorry you know this thing's well usually you know? it's
0: the state's problem that yeah. they brought in something else so now they bring in this moth to help kill this just like they did with that fireweed.
1: Oh yeah, so yeah, biocontrol types. Right. Yeah. And
0: so they keep just bringing one problem after another and then you know, we're the ones that have to suffer from that.
1: Yeah, uh today biocontrol I think is a little more uh, a little more studied, more science behind it. Yeah. Of course that moth for the fireweed it, I don't think it goes so high in elevation. Uh-huh. Our fireweed goes way up. Way up. So it's not I, you know, my personal view, I don't think it's gonna be a totally viable control. Right. But um, you know, we've had other failures like, you know, mongoose and rats. Like right? mm-hmm. everyone knows that one. You right. know, brought mongoose that eat rats and you know, mongoose hunt during the day, rats hunt at night. Right. Um, they do eat rats though. That's they did do their science. It's just yeah. that um, you know, if a mongoose can go eat a dumb bird somewhere else, they'll do that versus go fight Absolutely. a rat in a hole. Right. Absolutely. If you can go get cheap McDonald's food, you're not gonna go out there and dive fifty feet and go try shoot a fish just go to mcdonald's so, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, exactly that's the that's mongoose so
0: and, and they're out there getting the chickens and but we, we have so that. many different things going on here yeah as well you know between the feral cat population you know it's feral just cats, out of, of birds, control yeah yep, and, um, they're, and they're feces, so, dude yeah. they're one of the gnarliest animals on the planet well, they know? carry
1: disease like yeah crazy toxoplasmosis is a serious issue
0: yeah Um, like Australia is having a huge problem with feral cats as well, too. And it's just as bad here. And and like you said, all these these native birds that we're trying to keep, you know, they should be focusing more on these feral cat populations. And, you know, you've got certain ladies that run around here and they feed these cats. (laughs) And I'm sure you've seen them. Everybody's seen them. Oh, yeah. And they're like crazy ladies. And they say they work for the you know, humane society or whatever, whatever cause, yeah, whatever cause it is. And they go out there and they dump bags of food and you see all of a sudden out of the woodwork, you see hundreds, if not thousands of cats just come in and start mopping. And, uh, and then when you yell at them and say, what are you doing? You know, they say, Oh, we're trying to catch them. This is our way of catching them and neutering them. But you never see anybody out there doing it no and uh <laughs> no. now this population is just completely out of control i know that i can go way way up on the mountain and i'll find feral cats yep all over
1: the place absolutely
0: and feral dogs yep and um yep. and they're also decimating populations of you know yep. sheep and goats and and yep. whatever they come across yep. you know
1: so yeah the i think they with the cat thing, you know, there's very passionate people about cats, just like how you know hunters may be passionate about our hunting and 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 wild spaces. Um, the difference why hunters lose and why cat people still get to keep doing what they're doing is because the cat people are like they're very strong politically. Right, hunters were only like, well, on the books like eleven, twelve thousand hunters in the state. I think was the census with the Fed with wow. the Fish and Wildlife Service, but that's legal hunters where we're talking about. People buy a license, and there's a record of it. Uh Of course, everyone knows. Like, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) half of the hunters here don't even have a license, right? Right? They're just hunting in private land. It's poaching is a big is a big deal in Hawaii. It's Mm -hmm. sometimes a culture. Um, So you know, uh, we don't have that kind of political might like like the you know the feel good uh, saving the cat people. Mm -hmm. So when an environmentalist comes down, and they come down. Pretty hard. Like they come down with just science, right? Right. Science says this your sheep eat endangered plants, kill all the sheep. Right. Your cat uh, feces go in the water, kill monk seals with toxoplasmosis, kill all your cats. Right. Now don't, the cat people come out strong, hunters, we come out weak. Right. And that's, that's just the, I mean, that's the political nature of that. And, and
0: the funny thing is, they, they usually come across and they pick the animals for eating one certain thing. And it's actually, sure. it'd be a different animal. That's eating all of them. Oh, yeah. Like the goats. Oh, yeah. They'll go through and wipe through every single thing. Sure. And and then now our goat population is just out of control.
1: Some places, yeah. Yeah. Not everywhere, but I'd say, you know, hunting does maintain our, does control our populations. I mean, there's a lot of literature Mm -hmm. out there from the scientists that say otherwise... Some of it's a culture issue, but for the most part...
0: 49 other states show yeah, we that it works. Do it.
1: Yeah, 49 other states show it. Hawaii, we have a lot of science to try to say otherwise because right. it is a political battle in a lot of sure. senses. But, um, you know, in places that we're not allowed to hunt, you can see it on the side of the road. Um, you know, these animals proliferate in mm-hmm. places that are kind of safe zones and sanctuaries. And what happens is when these animals proliferate in these places you don't hunt, a group of environmentalists go over there take a bunch of pictures of it, say, look at the damage these animals cause. And then they say, oh, well, I don't know why we have these hunters hunting in these other areas. They're causing damage. Well, that's not the case. Right. You know, we don't have that kind of density of animals in some of our hunting areas. In fact, some of our hunting areas have nearly nothing inside Mm -hmm. of them.
0: Nearly nothing. Yeah, And and what's screwed up is sometimes they'll say, okay, well, you know what? We're going to open this on the 1st of August for you to go hunt. And the two weeks before they open it up, they go in there and they eradicate <laughs> before we can even get a chance to get in there. Sure. And then we get in there and there's nothing. And you're just like, I've literally gone in there after they've done that. Sure. And uh, up on Mauna Loa, and I'm going, where the hell are all the animals? Sure. And then I come across certain areas and a bulldozer has been there and it's sure. dug up a big, literally like Nazi style mm-hmm. um, mass grave. And all of these bodies are in there of animals. And I'm like, and I'm taking photos and I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? Uh, and so, then I come find out that they just eradicated two yeah. weeks before they they opened it up to us.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah, yeah, we have a policy in Hawaii. This is why hunters are losing in Hawaii. We have this policy where, oh, uh, the environmentalists rule, they rule the political arena, right? Sure. So they think of us hunters as as cheap as free eradicators or free control like so right now you know i serve on the state game commission in some in some aspects we can advocate for keeping game like you know let's manage them here let's try to do that of course there's always, we always face roadblocks because they don't want that right um but if you were to say like oh uh let's go over here there's too many let's go cut the numbers down oh they're all for that okay now we hit a point where there's too little and we're like, okay, well, we want to continue to be hunters. We can't be hunters if there's no animals to hunt. Like right. that's just a fact. But they're like, oh no, no, we love you as hunters as long as you keep killing them all. So if we go there and we kill them all, then we eradicate ourselves too out of a culture. Right. So that that is that very elementary view. But then it, it's working still. Like they they there's hunters that want to go out there and and just kill stuff. They don't care about the future. Right. And this is where maybe uh, folks like myself or other people who are sympathetic to what I do. Um, You know, we care about a future. We care about our kids, grandkids, uh, even new people experiencing this great hunting lifestyle that we live. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that if we can't at least save some animals somewhere. Right. And they don't let us keep them just because of all this uh, extrapolation of endangered species, of climate change, of of, uh, invasive weeds. These things are, I mean, they're real. Mm -hmm. But then I think we... We go a little bit crazy, you know? Sure. Like we're not going to die if there's a few sheep on the mountain or in this... Right. I mean, sensitive areas, yeah. But, you know, here in a pasture or old cattle pasture all these other places, we're not going to die. We're not, mm. We don't have to freak out. The water's all not going to dry up. The sky's not going to turn gray and, you know, humans all perish. It's not the case. But, you know, they paint this picture that our animals are, are destroying the land. and Right. It's so hard. I mean... <laughs> and they
0: and they usually, you know, a, a lot of the ranches around here, they're smart enough to know that, hey, you know, we can also uh, make a buck. We can yeah. manage it. They learn how to manage these animals, yeah. make them work for the ranch and work for the people. Sure. Um, but then, like you said, you have all these environmentalists that come in, and then they work the state lands. They also yeah. work um, the trust lands from Kamehameha Schools to Bishop yep. Estates. Yep. And then they take, you know, Areas like Hualalai right here, yeah. and they say we're gonna fence the whole freaking thing in here. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, if you were to look back, you know, if, if Queen Liliuokalani was still alive or whoever, it'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, you, you yeah, know? I
1: mean, it comes back down to you know, uh, I have this 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 idealism, I guess, but you know, public lands for public use, and what that means is that. When you say you're going to manage public lands, you have to consider all of the public. You don't just consider, you know, science. You don't just consider uh, environmentalists. You don't just consider, oh, these these guys need it more than somebody else, right? Because that's bullshit. Like, yeah. literally, like w- when you talk public, you can't say someone needs it more than somebody else because it's for the public.
0: I mean, well, what's screwed up yeah, now? Even if is even if, if yeah. all it takes is one person to freaking stand up and go, hey, I yeah. don't like this action right here. You know, just like, you know, somebody yeah. saying, hey, I don't want prayer in school anymore. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's stuff all policy, just like yeah. that. Yep, just you like know? that. It's all what, what we got going on right now, um, whether these statues are good or bad or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, I don't like this statue, get it out of here. Yeah. You know, it's that simple. All it takes is one person yeah. to stand up and say, I don't like this. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, yeah. and that goes right back to our lands.
1: Yep, we get pushed aside. Oh, We're not outnumbered,
0: though. That's the
1: thing. So, like, if there's, you know, hunters in Hawaii listening to this podcast right now, you know, we have to unify. Exactly. And that's
0: one of the problems is because nobody's unifying and standing up together.
1: Yeah, We we are not a minority in in, in these public hunting areas. We are actually a majority. It's just that, let's be real, a lot of hunters, we got day jobs. We can't show up to the legislature. We can't uh, be out there advocating for what we do. But there are environmental groups. There are NGOs. There are paid to be there to be right. at the legislature to tell people oh no we need this acreage right. don't worry about the hunting cuz that's really not important you know don't worry about those guys oh, we yeah. we got to save this this is so critical and that's all they hear and and we're silent and you know we're working hard we can't always be there so i i don't know what the answer is for honors all i know is that even what i do uh currently right now with social media or or uh, on the state game commission it's unsustainable because it's mm-hmm. not enough of us at once. Right. Um, it has to be something perpetuating. Maybe, I don't know, you know, the, the old paradigm is a group, you know, not a non-government, uh, non-profit group type thing. Right. You know, you got to give them a direction, you got to have funding. And well, you know,
0: you know what's really tough is because I remember when Kahuku Ranch sure. handed over all that land sure. to Volcano National Park.
1: They didn't have, well...
0: You or know, however they did it. Okay, so the
1: real story is, this is how I understand it, is uh, the, Fed, the feds can't buy... They have to get land appraised before they can buy it. Right. So it's kind of like a, a check. You know, you can't pay too much for a piece of land as the federal government because, it's, you know, it's, it's taxpayers' dollars. Sure. So uh, I guess they got it appraised or whatever it was and maybe it was uh, lower than what the landowner um, wanted to receive for, for that piece of land. Sure. So actually, the Nature Conservancy bought that section of Gulgarage. Okay. And then they handed it over to the um to the National Park Service. Right. So, you know. I I don't know, maybe maybe there was some money lost in inside of that. But, you know, there's there's gains in
0: But I um, also know it's like a tax write off for the ranch too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's you know, our ranch is so big right now, we don't need yeah. this. We're actually losing money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. let's you know, from what I understood, it was a donation or whatever to, you know, tax write off, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Yeah. So, I and mean, then, either way, you lost. Yeah. Hunters lost stuff. Or? Hunters lost big time. And so they it opened it up, and I've got these books still here that uh-huh. are like freaking five, six inches thick, you know, of all their plans on what they were trying to do and, and our rights and everything. And we, me and mm. Shane, and a whole bunch of us all got together. And we started trying to oppose this, okay. you know, because um, Cuckoo Ranch happens to have the largest herd of full-blown, full-blooded mouflon sheep that we have in the state, you know, um, pure okay. ones. And uh, we wanted to save them, mm. you know, do something, you know, other right. than fully eradicate them out of there. Oh. And whether it's moving them, you know, we would have been part of any <laughs> of that. You know, we got a lot of other ranches that would love to have them on there. Yeah. You know,
1: you, you bring up a, a classic thing. So moving them, yeah. like say, uh, say you wanted to take that mouflon sheep and put it in a public hunting area, right? That would have a, a potential future for their population, right? And and con- and managing their population for hunting, uh, for public use, um, try that. Yeah, you can't do it. Like yeah. you, you take one sheep and and tell you know go up to the DNR or or, or, Fed or whoever and say, well, you already have sheep in this hunting area. Can I just add this one? Right. No way. You got to do an environmental assessment. You got to do all this stuff for in endangered species mitigation. Yada 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 on and on. Like it's just this bureaucratic red tape. But that's roadblock. going into
0: the state land. Yeah, yeah state but, land. But, but we had we had a lot of private, ranches. Yeah private ranches yeah, sure. that would have taken them. That would have taken it. You know, yeah. putting a price on that animal now also helps yeah. that animal, helps sure. the economy, helps everything around it.
1: Yeah, and what did they?
0: And they, the no. A, you can't. Oh, they gave us every thing. excuse yeah. in the world. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so they, you know, of course, uh, one guy told me, he goes, look, we're just here to just be cordial and hear your complaints <laughs> and whatever. But. Any way you look at it, we're going to go in there, we're going to fence it all off, and we're going to eradicate them all. Sure. Yeah. And um, it was pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. That's... It was pretty friggin' sad, and, man.
1: You know, what, what happened there? There's nothing that, right now, in my opinion, there's nothing that prevents it from happening to anywhere. Right. Like, this is a thing. Like, okay, we have this dichotomy in hunting. We have public hunting, private hunting, right? Private hunting costs a little bit of money, a little bit exclusive. Public hunting, this is for, you know, uh, you buy your state hunting license and um, you buy a state tag or whatever. Or maybe in some cases, we don't even have that. But, um, you know, they're open to anyone versus mm-hmm. the private stuff. And a lot of people that hunt private land here think that they're safe from it. You know, oh, I've got this little jam place or whatever. You know what? You're in Hawaii. Like, we're surrounded by this environmental agenda. And they'll find a way to change the laws, you know, at some point. Like, if they don't like your deer, your goats, your pigs, whatever it is on your land, they could go to the legislature, write a law, and say, you know, you can't harbor these non-native invasive species. Well, you
0: see how fast they came in when we had deer on the island. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was, bam, (laughs) instantaneous. (laughs) And there was no law before saying that you could not bring Axis deer to the yep. Big Island, and they made one immediately. They yeah, made yeah. one immediately after they sure. found out they were here. Sure. The guy that got busted for bringing the deer over here didn't get busted for bringing the deer here. No, he got busted for bringing the sheep back to the to Maui. Oh, and um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's still deer here. By the way. I don't know. I've never never seen one or know of it. (laughs) Yeah, I I heard there's a few different places. I'm not going to mention where they're at. (laughs) But uh, I heard there's still deer here. I'm praying that there's still deer here. (laughs) You know, because, you know, it definitely will save us a dollar, Uh you know, from uh, flights are getting pretty expensive these days, just flying back and forth. Thank God for, I'm going to give a sponsor shout out at this point right now. Thank God for Mocha right now. Um, cause they sponsor this podcast and, uh, so luckily I can fly back and forth in our Island. for yeah. My deer hunting needs, but and that's, yeah, I
1: think a lot of other hunters don't know that like Hawaii, we, yeah. we got to fly around to, we do get around to our hunting areas. And especially when they want to eradicate everything on big Island. Yeah. You know, we got to go to places like Molokai or I mm. to, to even enjoy, uh, some, some, some better hunting or maybe not as crowded.
0: Yeah. It's, or uh, make friends on Maui and, yeah. Because uh, Maui's really tough as well too. They they have almost no, no public mo no public hunting yeah. and then the access to get to the public hunting is just ridiculous. They yeah. make it so it's so hard for you to get to. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like we have we have one right here up on Hualalai. <laughs>
2: yeah. You
0: know about this one.
2: Yeah. And it's, yeah, and yeah. it's
0: surrounded by a ranch. So sure. to get to it, you're gonna be trespassing. Uh-huh. You know? And then if you get if you get in there and which it is uh-huh. it's a public hunting spot, sure. but you're going to get arrested because the only way you got in there was because you trespassed. You trespass. So it's kind of a full on screwed up thing.
1: So there's some access issues here. Yeah, yeah. massive access. But then access again, access yeah, then again, I would I would also say that there's you know we have like maybe if you add it up, hundreds of thousands of acres that we can access readily, but we don't have great numbers of animals on there because there are yeah. policies there to get rid of them all. Right. So, like, maybe we wouldn't... We wouldn't have to worry about trying to access this small, like, oasis area if we just had decent places elsewhere that we already have, you know? Right. So, but when they want to wipe out everything else, then, you know, we're... We're totally constricted in, in yeah. where we can go and how we can enjoy... Continue to enjoy what we do. And, um, man, my, my mission is... My mission is is the public hunting because I, I didn't yeah. even say it yet, but I... I also volunteer with the, with the state Hawaii hunter education program, uh, mm-hmm. for a few years now. And, uh, you know, I was a young kid once going hunting and you see it in the kids' eyes. You know, they have this sure. massive interest and it's not just kids. We see, uh, women in there, mm-hmm. women that are uh, wanting to gather, uh, you know, wild meat. This, mm-hmm. this is a new, uh, well, it's an old idea. We've been doing it for centuries. That's how we got here as men, but, um, it's kind of a cool idea now, this locavore-type movement, uh, eating eating wild meat and stuff. We see these ladies in there. They want to learn how to hunt. They have no family or friends that hunt, but they just show up, and they want to go. Yeah. And then, here's the sad part, is, you know, we teach them in hunter ed. They get their license. They go out there, and then they go, oh, there's, like, hardly any sheep out there to go hunting. Right. <laughs> like, they start learning, like, oh, there's all these... There's all these challenges to keep our animals. Like we have, we have decent goat hunting, but our sheep is the one really hammered. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's pigs, but pigs. You know, it's uh, the pig hunting is sometimes quite involved. You know, having dogs and going in the mm-hmm. forest, uh, deep forest, using dogs. But uh, you know, other areas we can we can find pigs, but the the bigger population uses dogs. So it right. It's this huge. Um, you have this uh, barrier of entry for new hunters, and that that kills us too. Yeah. Like it's hard to get new recruitment of hunters. And I think the beginning of protecting that is we have to protect public hunting. Right. Because they're not gonna pay a thousand dollars to go hunt, you know, deer on some private land or mm-hmm. or sheep on some private land. So to protect at least our community's uh political influence, we have to recruit others and make that easier.
0: And how can people get involved?
1: How can we get involved? Well the you know, the commission is one, you show up, you you, you testify, you can even send Send me emails or whatever, and I can present them out there. But you know, I'm just one one head. Right. We don't have a massive voice. We don't have that organization. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't want to suggest that I have the answers. But I would think that 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 might that is a sustainable path forward is having a group because that's all that's how our opposition does it. Sure. You know they influence everyone with with their big groups, their money, they they even hire people, they have jobs attached to this, they might not be great paying jobs, but nonetheless, they show up in the literature and say, we hire this many people. Mm -hmm. This is more important because hunting, well, it doesn't, we don't specifically hire a whole bunch of people in the field for hunting, but hunting has all this trickle down effect, right? Gas, food, lodging, equipment, all this Mm -hmm. this huge economical uh, engine that we don't even uh, put a dollar amount to. But, they our opposition, can easily say, "Oh, this job, this federal grant to save this uh, plant, this federal grant to do this, so you know we're we're always on the on the political losing end of that, and I think we've got to get more influence in 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 that way mm-hmm. I don't know how to get that I think local ofvo movement, like I said, uh eating wild meat,
0: I don't know sometimes have you thought about running for any political office? <laughs>
1: I think about that every day yeah <laughs> but uh it's uh you know I, I got a day job i'm paying student loans i'm renting you know hawaii is expensive to live in right you're all married my, yeah i'm married all my friends all my friends that went to school in the mainland they don't come back why because right. it's too expensive to live here sure It's really sad like for local people to live here it's tough yeah it's really tough and uh, uh you know i i just gotta work what i work and um the off- political office, they don't pay a whole lot. So. Well, you know what? <laughs>
0: they they do and they don't. But yeah, you know what? Um, right now you are donating a whole bunch of your time. It is, yeah. So um, why not let's work it towards a political office where you're making at least something? Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and And that's where the change is made, so they say.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, it would help if there were more, you know, our legislators we're We're hunters, and they spoke up about it, but I think you know the wave is so strong on the other side that it's so hard for anyone to mm-hmm. to kind of stand up for us every once in a while I mean they do, but it's just it's 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 unsustainable that way it's so tiny compared sure. to the compared to the the wind of change that uh, maybe that fake is. it maybe like
0: <laughs> just shut up about all of this for a while yeah. and then just get into Let's the political in. party yeah. and just lie your ass off they're all liars <laughs> anyway right <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> and then get in there and just yeah. go you know what fuck you guys yes. bam yeah you know we're making a change right now so <laughs>
2: maybe yeah i mean
0: i'm opening up new land for hunters and it's in the prime area puh <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. yeah yeah, yeah. We, we i mean there's who is a
0: tough one man because when they do yeah. finally open it up for you okay they yeah. say that uh you have to go shoot a pulley first before you can shoot yeah a so ram
1: yeah so i work super closely with the with the division of Forestry and wildlife you know including the white Mail office yeah um the biologists and and the uh, wildlife techs there and who you know uh i don't know i hunted there as a kid uh way back in like uh late 90s and there were you know there were a lot of sheep there sometimes too much right like we talk about this environmental impact yeah maybe there was too much but then it went the other way there was a moth there was all these endangered plants Mm -hmm. so there was kind of this eradication path boom knocked them all down
2: right
1: Knocked them all down and then there was an effort somewhere in between maybe the early 2000s oh there's no sheep left let's uh let's try to bring some back let's have uh size limits Right. They used to have size them. It's a You never hear about this, uh-huh. but um, you had to shoot only a, like a twenty inch ram uh, that was or larger at one point. Yeah, uh-huh. that was what the tag was because they were we eradicated and then right. now we're like, oh no no no, we need to do this other thing. Yeah, yeah, so it's crazy. You know that there's this battling going on. There's something that the public is annoying. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And um, you know now um, that fizzled out, and then they said, well, let's let's give you a grant to uh, try to keep sheep. But because the sheep eat endangered plants, you need to go through an environmental assessment. You need to get this uh, incidental take license, all this stuff. So they basically red-taped us to the point where now we got to do all this stuff to get done. Now mm-hmm. we're uh, 10, maybe 13 years into this. It's not done yet. The sheep are not really... Um, I mean, they try their best to maintain within the policies that they have, but mm-hmm. it's hard when your hands are tied like that. So so right. environmentally strict. So... Um, they're coming back slowly now on wild dogs wiped out quite a bit. Right. But you know, there's not a whole lot. Like
0: But yet at the same time they don't want the sheep there either. Uh, yeah. You know, like that's we, the fucked we, up battle. thing. Like we, And so they, yeah. they contradict themselves when they say, Okay, well now you've got to go in there. You've yeah. got to shoot a pulley. And if sure. people don't know what a pulley is, it's uh it's like a malformed
1: form. Yeah, it's a it, you know it's a genetic uh Genetic thing, where they don't grow horns or they're deformed. Right,
0: they're deformed, yeah. right? Yes. So um, you have to shoot one of those first to protect the herd of the good ones. Fix and the genetics, sh- sure. Right, fix the genetics. And then, so now they're worried about genetics. Yeah. Sure. But yet, they want them all gone. But
1: then this opposing idea of, all oh, there might be eradication, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, that's and, what we battle all and day. The, you know, <laughs>
0: the, it's, so it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, right across the highway, literally yeah. right across the highway. Yeah. Um, we started finding them migrating over sure. there. Yeah. Um, DLNR was like, "Do not touch those sheep over there, <laughs> because we want them now going over here." Yeah. What the hell what are the you hell? talking right. about? Right. Yeah. We want the herds going over here now. Crazy, huh? Okay,
1: it's because it's because there is this there is this two sides in that department. There is this environmental side that has a lot of control and power. Mm-hmm. And anytime, you know, hunters start making some gain, they're going to find a way to squash it. They're going to find a way to roadblock it. And yeah. that's and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing this infighting. There is, I'm, ah, boy, you might make some enemies doing this, but, you know, because <laughs> I work with the DLNR quite quite frequently, but but there's no leadership, man. Right. Like, there's no one on the top that says, you know what, we're going to protect hunting and we're going to protect endangered species. We're going to do both. Uh-huh. There's no one that says that. Like, definitively and equally put effort into both. And it's not just hunting. Like, this This affects everything. And like when you fence it off, endangered species and all this other stuff, you can't go biking in it. You can't go hiking in, in in some of these places, too. Right. Like, it becomes an exclusive zone. Like, this public land. And they've
0: done that right here on the top of Hualalai,
2: where
0: perhaps, maybe, yeah. Bishop of State land, uh-huh. where they've cut everything off. Now, all of a sudden, they say, no hiking, no going up to the top of the mountain. Oh, really? We're fencing everything off, uh-huh. but yet they let White Forest and Trail take their tours up there. Oh, I see. Well, yeah, the money private making land,
1: tour. I guess. Yeah, it is private land, but they do it on state land too, though. Absolutely, White like, Forest and Trail they do have um, they do have agreements going through the Hucklelaw Force uh, and that state land to to do their tours. Mm-hmm. I think at one point they were the only ones that had a permit, hmm. and I mean, they're throwing it out there. That guy used to serve on the board, the land and natural resources. So I mean, it's it's a little bit of politics, perhaps, maybe you could. We got to get you in
0: the politics. I'm telling you.
1: Oh, it's scary, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 a wild. That's my votes
0: going to you. I know everybody that's listening to this (laughs) podcast is going, Ryan Coatsu, we're voting for you. Oh
1: yeah, and every environmentalist would fire me immediately, like right there, boom. But that's the thing, like I'm. I love the endangered species, too. You mm. know, I, I love going into the native forest. Sure, we love them all. I love them all. But it's just like... We all do. There's such this warring that you can't... It, it's like, like politics, like Democrats and Republicans. You know, like, you might be a person in the middle, be like, hey, you know, let's kind of come together. Let's just be cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no way. Like, you have to be on one side. Like, oh, you hunt? That, means, that must mean you must hate native stuff. You must hate this environmental movement. Sure. And like, oh, my goodness. Like, it's so it's it's hard i mean we live on an island and yet we have all of this uh this 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 kind of fighting and this kind of conflict and it's it's not good but in the in the end the ones with the least political power lose yeah and that's us hunters (laughs) and
0: that's why i'm saying you should start working your way through politics so yeah trying trying yeah, like I said, we're going to vote for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm already on the commission. I don't know what else to do, man. I take vacation days to do this thing. I mean, it's... Now, what do you do normally? I'm an engineer. Uh-huh. a mechanical engineer. Okay. So, you know, uh, that lends itself maybe to being analytical or whatever. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm not a wildlife biologist or anything. All I know is what I see from hunting. Right. But that's the thing, right? If I didn't hunt, I wouldn't even care about some of these wild places. I would Mm -hmm. just watch something on TV, maybe. Maybe I might care, whatever. But you know what? This Xbox or this basketball game or whatever is more important to me if if I didn't hunt. Like, if I didn't care about natural spaces, natural areas through hunting, I might not even be an advocate for it. Mm -hmm. Right? So, uh, like, uh, restricting. That's where they say, like, oh, maybe there's no place for hunting in Hawaii because these these what people hunt is is perhaps maybe destroying the environment i say no we i say we need to protect every connection to to nature that people have mm-hmm. because as we modernize right people, more people live in cities more people get uh, industrialized type jobs that connection to nature diminishes and diminishes and diminishes and then the only way that we protect we try to protect that is we tell a bunch of people, let's tax them for it. Let's try to use taxpayer money. They don't have no connection to it. They're just paying their taxes like anybody else. Yeah. I think the greatest advocates are those people that are out there. And if we don't... We don't protect that, whether you like bird watching, hiking, hunting, fishing, whatever. If we don't protect all of it and try to retain everyone, I think we'll lose. Like, we we will lose natural spaces. And that is going to be a sad sad thing.
0: Super sad. Super sad. Uh, Well... We don't want to be on a sad note here. So let's switch over to a frigging better note, man, because (laughs) you've had some really exciting shit going on in your life these days. And, you know, then that's how I started following you, you know, because, (laughs) um, uh, I, I started seeing how you were living your life and, um, you're an incredible hunter, dude. Um, when I first started following you, I know you started off as a compound bow hunter, but I saw you as uh, a stick stick bow, a long yeah, bow, yeah. you know, traditional archery, type. traditional yeah. traditional bow, and <laughs> um, and watching uh, your hunts and your your adventures through your eyes, you know, and and you videotape everything that you do, Tric, and it's yeah. it, it's pretty pretty dang cool, dude, and um, watching you just get out there and just. You know, half the time you're just filming the animals. Yeah. You know, they don't know you're there, no. and you get up really close, <laughs> and sure. uh, and you just film and you film, and we get to see all these cool how these animals are acting, and which we're also learning from. Sure. Y- you know, yeah. and um, and I'm also seeing you get some really good animals. Oh too, yeah, that yeah, you're bringing there's...
1: home. Oh there's some skew toward uh toward the uh the trophy hunting type thing some uh-huh. some anti or non-hunters may hate that ideal right but um you know in the end uh we, we we what would we rather have you know if we're trying to explain this to a non-hunter because that might be your larger population would you rather me shoot the little baby fawn or shoot the older right. the older animal right? right what do i mean Let's be you know if we're gonna put a little that's bit of, already done, little bit of moral made
0: it compass forever. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're
1: gonna put a little moral compass on this. Well, maybe we'll just eat the old one instead of shoot the babies. Right. This, right. Okay. So
0: even maybe, though we know babies taste better, yeah.
1: so there's a little bit of <laughs> there's a little bit of moral compass with that. So it's not always like the trophy type thing. I mean, I hunt for meat uh, right. and 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 all and all kinds of things. But um, you know, you talked about the compound, and I got a funny story. You know, a lot of. Folks that know me might think, you know, they see my YouTube videos and everything, this uh, archery stuff and everything. And um, I wasn't an archer. I didn't start bow hunting until uh, a year into gun hunting. Uh-huh. Uh, easily a year. I started out gun hunting. My my dad was a gun hunter. Uh-huh. Um, we hunted a Mauna Kea sheep. That place is now, it's been under eradication for 30 years. It's Kind of sad. I've lost yeah. it. I've seen so much of my hunting areas I love to go to uh, disappear. That's what makes me what I am today. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I missed. Yeah, I started bow hunting because I missed like every sheep I shot. I would have gone. <laughs> wait, <laughs> shit, you not? Wait a sec, <laughs> you missed like everyone. Like I must have missed like
0: twenty, thirty. Well, we, wait a sec, yeah. weren't you a <clears throat> collegiate?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, we rifle. could go, like, we could chase we <laughs> can chase squirrels all day, all kinds of things. But, uh, um, yeah, so, like, I did, I competed on the Ohio, Ohio State rifle team. I uh, uh-huh. made NCAA All-American and stuff. You know, I wasn't, well, I don't want to brag about it, but, yeah, I, I, I you didn't You were almost suck. in the Olympics. I didn't suck, you know, I, I was a pretty good shooter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was actually really terrible hunting, you know, when I was, like, 11 or 11. <laughs> did you get,
0: like, uh, stage fright or... What's that? Stage fright.
1: Stage fright. Um. Well, you, hunting. You mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get buck fever. Everything. Like, yeah. yeah. We could. We could sit there all day. I shoot at the range with my dad. I'll put, you know, I'll put bullets next to each other. You know, one inch. You know, one inch group at two hundred yards all sure. day. Put a sheep in front of me, like on high altitude. <laughs> now, you know, it's eleven thousand feet up on that mountain. I'm a little kid. I heart racing everything I don't even know what I'm aiming at boom like it's <laughs> terrible you know like I, I guide I, I've taken a lot of kids hunting and I, I still today haven't met one as as bad as me and they can't believe it you know like but anyway yeah I, I got into bow hunting because I was so terrible with a gun my mom
0: so what made you yeah. think you were going to be better as a bow hunter
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's harder so, so my mom told me like as I was missing everything with a gun she said why don't you try bow hunting uh-huh. and I was like are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I can't even hit him with a gun. How the, how the heck am I going to hit something with a bow? <laughs> you she's like, well, "Just you should just try it.
0: Give you so, a slingshot. So whatever, yeah.
1: <laughs> so we tried to order a bow and I uh, order a bow, it took like months to come because like,
0: there's nothing here. There's no
1: kids' bows back then either. Right. Like, like youth bows back then was was the, like a like new, very new, you know, was yeah. almost non-existent. in like, where
0: you find that crappy little in, kids bow with a sucker yeah, on the end? Yeah, at and, Walmart. And, <laughs> yeah,
1: in ninety six, you know, ninety six, ninety seven,
0: <laughs> suction cup on the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like people today got they got all these fancy sights and stuff. Uh, if I showed you my kid bow, you'd freak out. Like, yeah. we didn't have a peep sight. We didn't have nothing. Like, we had these pins. No, no fiber optic. Right. They're like these plastic little pins. You even had to paint the end of them. Wow. Uh, you take model paint and paint them. Super archaic, you know? And
0: you see Jackson's. He's 10 years oh, old. Oh, His bow yep. right here is oh, yeah. literally as good as my bow. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, <laughs> you know? there are 10-year-olds that
1: will that'll, that'll whoop adults out there. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I just <laughs>
0: saw one of our friends, 10 years old, um, go over to Lanai and smoke a Big old buck. Big old yeah, sure. yeah, in yeah. the Yeah, in so stoked. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah, I picked up bow hunting because yeah, I was so terrible with a gun. It's crazy.
2: But yeah, and then <laughs> and then
1: later on, yeah, I mean you did all that collegiate rifle shooting and stuff. But uh
0: yeah, wild. And then So did you miss your first animal with a bow too?
1: Uh let me Yeah, no. I, I fired <laughs> My whole first year bow hunting, I didn't shoot at a single animal within my bow hunting effective range. So my bow Which hunting was, effective range was like, dude. And how old were you? Like twelve, maybe
0: okay. eleven, eleven, twelve. Right. Um, so you're just a little older than Jackson.
2: Yeah, eleven,
1: yeah. twelve, and my, you know, people now, kids now can shoot out to like twenty, fifty yards now. Their bows are so much more efficient. Sure. My bow back then, my pins were ten, uh, or. 10 15 20 yards. sure. <laughs> I mean, and the gap was huge. Like if I could hit a soda box at 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 15 yards every shot, that was a good day. Right? I remember <laughs> and, teaching my son it was the same yeah. thing. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't um that whole first year we hunted Kipu a hole. Mm-hmm. Like that was where I learned to bow hunt was in was in that area and the sheep wow. were smart there. Right, it's not like hunting our go we have different species, right? Some species are smarter than others. Sure. But um the sheep in people going, you hunt there. They're yeah. not dumb. No. You know. They're hard. I mean, some of the hardest on the island actually. The pressure is so high.
0: It is. And all of that. Yeah, so. the mix with the Mouflon.
1: And it makes a Mouflon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the Mouflons, you know, there's I, a humongous difference between the feral sheep and the Mouflons. Oh yeah. You know the Huge. feral sheep are kinda of dumb. They're a little bit dumber. Yeah, a little more the, tolerant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The mouflon are just like, dude, those eyes on those guys can see you from miles. And it's like, miles. Yeah. how is that guy see, looking at me right now? Yeah, and, and they, you, don't, they don't quit, too. Like, once you've they look got at a you, spotting yeah. scope, and they're, and they're staring you down, yeah, right. and you're done. Yeah.
1: Boom. So, yeah, I didn't, like, kids today, they go out bow hunting, they get shots, you know? Me, right. my first year, no shots. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. This is dumb. I didn't even want to bow hunt anymore. Like, we went gun hunting some more. Uh, on the mountain and i finally uh, my first my first album was a u on on skyline on monicaeo mm-hmm. um I got altitude sick, I used to puke and everything up there Really, but that that was how I learned you know my yeah. my, my dad he i mean it, i think if you if you were to film it and show people they they would call it child abuse <laughs> 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 like, like like they were like why are you taking your kid up there like he's suffering you know <laughs> but i wanted i i wanted to do that like uh-huh. like i I just had this I wanted it so bad, like I just I, you know I'm not a big guy. I don't play sports. I don't play football or anything like that. Although I did do some martial arts, but uh, um, yeah, hunting, hunting and fishing was, was obviously like,
0: jujitsu. I found out I about that. Oh. Yeah, you made me look bad there for a second. <laughs> no, 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 judo, <laughs> judo.
1: But uh, yeah, um, I just wanted it so bad, and uh, finally I got one uh, skyline up there gun, and then yeah, for year simple hunting, no, no shots. Uh, into the second year. Um, nothing. And the first, first animal I ever took with a bow was in Pohakuloa training area.
0: Uh-huh. In I've area. never had any luck there.
1: Yeah. You know why?
0: God, there's be- a million freaking dudes in there. Yeah.
1: Right? Well, well, this is back in 90, you know, we're talking 97, right, 98, right, right, right. 98 for me. Half the area now is fenced and eradicated that we used right. to be able to hunt. So, um, yeah, there were, there are lots of goats in there and, um, yeah, that place I hunted back then is all gone. That's, all my childhood memories honey is gone. I mean, they were still being sad here, but uh yeah, I, that's gone, but yeah, I shot my first goat there, packed it out whole. I was so stoked. I yeah. actually we have it on v h s somewhere uh-huh. and uh, yeah, from there that was like I was hooked like i I couldn't even like everyone they talk about buck fever right, shaking, and you can't make the right. shot that kind of thing, um but yeah, I shot this goat, and I was so shocked when the arrow actually went through it, uh-huh. like a broad hit arrow, it just zipped right through, like it wasn't even there i was shooting like a little, you know, thirty-eight, forty-pound bow or something. Right. Not a whole lot of weight. Aluminum arrows. So.
0: <laughs> well, I had the same feeling yeah. shooting an aluminum arrow right. when I first started. Yeah, and but it was, you know, I was much older. Obviously, I was in my thirties, and uh, and it was the same thing. Just when I shot that pig, I was, I knew right then and there, uh-huh. I was a hunter for life. <laughs> it's a, I found, uh, I found it.
1: I think you know. Like, for me, because I worked so hard. Like, I went a whole year. Nothing. Thinking thinking it was impossible. This is ridiculous. Right. But then I saw, like, I saw, like, these other kids getting them. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing wrong?
2: <laughs> yeah, but my, my
1: dad really wasn't a bow hunter, you know. He'd he gone hunting a lot. So, I didn't... Mentorship wasn't... Uh, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of mentors. Later on, I, I had mentors, uh, Dexter and folks at uh, Arrow Factory and Mark. But, uh, um, yeah, early on, it was tough. Yeah. I couldn't even, wa- uh, anyway, yeah, when the goat fell down, I couldn't even walk to it. <laughs> My legs were shaking so bad. I couldn't even walk. Dad was like, oh, yeah, it's dead. Let's go over there, check it out. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I can't do this. Like, I, we got to wait a little while. I, it, was on, it was on the lava flow, on the lava he, fields. He's just laughing. And, oh, he's losing it,
0: yeah. He's laughing, you know. There's been so many times after <laughs> I've taken a shot where I'm just, yeah. I'm shaking so hard. I'm sure. just like, what the hell is happening right now, you know, yeah. as an adult? <laughs> yeah, I still get that today, yeah I, mean,
1: I don't get the shakes like crazy today, you know, having some experience, but right, you still feel the you get that anxiety, you know, like like am I going to do it right, and when you finally get it, it's like this huge relief, you know, especially when you do it right, yeah, and then when you do it wrong, oh man, like it's uh you know we don't we don't just we're not just out there shooting animals, you know there's there's some at least for me there there's there's an emotional connection to mm-hmm. them too absolutely. So, you know, sometimes things don't go right. I made bad shots and um, you feel sorry and you go back and you, you practice up and you try to make that not happen again. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, sometimes the media and all the hunting shows, they don't, they don't get to show that. Like, mm-hmm. they show you the hunt, but they don't get to show you everything that happens to be that hunter. You right. know, all that effort, all the training, all the practice. And you then know?
0: the emotion that comes after.
1: The emotion, yeah. That effort so it's huge and and i love i love that like i i love um i love bettering for me hunting is not even it's not even about like there's hunting there's a meat there's all that stuff but there's also personal development mm-hmm. part of it like you discipline yourself to get up early to do this stuff to go hike to stay stay fit you know to make that shot,
0: to make, make sure you're ac- accurate,
1: yeah. and then have have the respect for the animal, learn that reverence for nature, mm-hmm. and and all of that. Like it, it's it's there's no, man, there's no other activity like that. Yeah, uh, I really think there's there's nothing. You can play any sport you want, and it's not gonna have that kind of um, that visceral, very deep effect when you see you know you're, you're taking a life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's something you do very seriously, and um, nothing else has that. <laughs> I mean. No nothing legal (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but uh yeah it's uh
0: now you made a really good video back in 2015
1: 15 yeah it's just deer hunting
0: um back over on lanai yeah and uh you were using your stick bow yeah uh you want to kind of tell us yeah so
1: stick bow um i started well, when we're talking about a bow, we're talking about a recurve or a, a recurve bow. recurve bow, right. Like, this is a bow without sights. Yeah. And this is what makes it hard. You don't have the mechanical advantage of a compound bow. You don't have sights, all this technology. You just, um, you're just flinging an arrow old school. Like, look at the target, draw it back. It's like throwing a ball, fire it. You know, right. Indian. You want to get as close like, as you yeah, can. primitive style, you know. What's your effective
0: range?
2: Hmm.
1: I haven't shot my bow for a while, but, you know, when I shot it and I was practicing very hard, um, you know, I'd say 30 uh, 25 yards would be pretty good for me, right? Um, I could shoot a 30 yard shot, maybe, but that would be um, under certain circumstance. like I'd have to be on my feet, I couldn't be right. kneeling or anything right. like that.
0: Most people is probably right around, and like you're 15, a good, huh? Yeah, like 15, yeah, 10 <laughs> yeah. to 15 <laughs> yards, hard, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh more, but it started, yeah, it started like that, 10 to 15, like it was hard. Yeah. And I actually used to shoot right-handed before, and now I'm, I shoot left-handed. Oh, I really? Switched in twenty twenty ten. Why is that? Um, my whole life, I've 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 always shot rifle left-handed. I've always been left eye dominant, but I'm actually right-handed. You know, like writing and eating and whatever. Um, and when I was a kid, there's no such thing as left hand bows. Huh. So we shot right hand bows, and you just close one eye. And right, um, I drew my bow right handed and shot it right handed up until. Twenty ten really,
0: and then yeah, that's funny because you know when I shoot a bow, I'm right-handed, right? Sure. Shoot a right-handed yeah. bow, right eye dominant for my bow. Right eye dominant. But if I'm shooting a rifle, I'm left eye dominant. What? Yeah, <laughs> and I cannot shoot a rifle right side. It, huh. it has to be the left side. That's funny. It's crazy. I don't yeah. know what it is about it. The whole setup. Yeah. But it has to be on my left.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I found out. Do stick bow that. I shoot better left-handed than I did right. Uh-huh. And um, it was kind of funny. Like, uh, it was at the range, and uh, this guy... I knew I was left-handed dominant forever. Uh-huh. But I used to shoot right-handed, and everyone that was right-handed... um, My early bowl videos, you'd see, like, all my all my animals are, like, super close. Uh-huh. Like, 15 yards or less. Because I was right-handed, and I couldn't shoot far. Right. And I just couldn't teach myself how to extend my range, because it wasn't working all right. mm-hmm. And then um at the range one day a guy gave me a left hand bow and like immediately I saw like wow, oh, I could shoot just as good now, feeling all weird, um, as right handed. Right. So I kinda stuck with it and then yeah, I found out that yeah, I should way better left handed, left eye dominant. Huh. but yet I can't throw a stone left handed, man. I throw like a girl if I would have killed something <laughs> sure, in my left hand. Sure, we all do. <laughs> I'd look I look like ridiculous <laughs> trying to throw something in my left hand. So, um be kinda of funny. But uh Yeah, and that that hunt, um yeah, it was Axis deer hunting. Uh uh-huh. With with the stick bow and, you know, a lot of local hunters here, Axis deers they're pretty on it, you know. Right. In their homeland, they're hunted by tigers. Like yeah. you know, they're animals that are hunted by big cats in general, they're they're a little more wary. And uh
0: I've been watching a lot of yeah. hunts over in Africa with, you know, tribes people. yeah. Sure and the, you know they're using traditional bows that they have over there but they're a lot short smaller yeah uh shorter arrows
1: Well, a poison type arrow or something poison yeah. tips yeah. on their
0: arrows and yeah. oh, that's old school yeah yeah
1: we got all fancy we got all these metal oh, bows so there so fancy dude. yeah we're spoiled yeah, <laughs> we got to run out there in like a loincloth and <laughs> go do some <laughs> real hunting naked in a phrase style <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh,
0: yeah no, i was almost on that tv show Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went through the <laughs> whole process of everything. I can, and, I can
1: totally see it. Like, you, you'd be like, I don't care about surviving. You see all these cool animals. I want to hunt them. You'd be over there making a bow and not even worry well, about eating. Well, they me. They were like, oh, yeah. oh,
0: my God, you're on this show, and you're the oldest guy we've ever had. You know, I got still, I got hair down in my ass, but I'm all surfer and looking good. Yeah. And I got this cocky-ass attitude, right? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Bring me out here. Set me up with the hottest chick. I actually make it two yeah, so you want to make the show really watch, good yeah make it two you know? <laughs> <Make> it two <laughs> know and they're like well we want some sex on the show too i'm like well make it two hot make chicks it two- <laughs> that are down <laughs> you know something's gonna happen either those two or the three of us or whatever but um and so they flew me out to la went through the whole process wow uh love me they called me and But I was right in the middle of so many different projects at that time. <laughs> and uh, they're like, all right, it's time for you to go. Oh, and I was man. like, uh, let's see. I'm going to drop all of these projects that I'm making a killing right now mm-hmm. uh, to go do this for $5,000. You wow. know, I don't know if I'm supposed to say uh, that's how much, <laughs> yeah, But that's how yeah, much they dang. were giving you. Wow. Five grand and you're gone for a month yeah. or more wow. because if you got sick, now you're in the hospital. Oh, yeah. You got a huge recovery time. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just I just weighed all the factors and I was like, eh. Nah,
1: <laughs> so, yeah. No, so yeah, that, so, uh, yeah, primitive hunting, it's wild stuff. But yeah, that uh, axis deer was. Um, they have some cool clips on there. You know them super close. Yeah. Um, maybe some some deer walking by that any any other guy probably would have been dying to shoot. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. But. Uh,
2: you
0: know,
1: little, little selective sometimes, and uh,
0: well, I love to eat to here. Oh, we yeah. had it tonight, by far the best. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not. Of course, I would love a big giant trophy to walk right by me. <laughs> but you know, what? a doe walks by me, and and a lot of people don't do do this oh. anyway. Um, they let the d- does go by. Sure. You know, the does sometimes, need to yeah. be managed yeah. big time. Absolutely. Um. And most people let him go, but I'll shoot him. Because yeah, I'm like, like, that's filling my freezer, my son, that's all he wants to eat yeah. is access to air, which I'm so thankful for mm-hmm. because I don't have to go buy meat in the store.
1: Oh, yeah. And it tastes better.
0: It tastes so good. And you know. You know what I mean? Like I know exactly where it came yeah, from. Yeah, I processed it. Uh, I know exactly what's going on right here. Yeah, You know.
1: And it's, it wasn't some... I don't know if it was a chicken or a cow sitting in its crap all day, living a crappy life, living a then gets killed, life. thrown in a piece of cellophane, and you buy it at a premium. You and know? then like,
0: had some pink slime yeah. freaking poured all over it.
2: Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm not gonna sit here on my high horse and say I eat all wild game because that's not possible. Like, no, I, no, I don't no. have the time. I agree. And stuff. I, I agree. would if I could,
0: but I try. I try to yeah. make majority of everything that I eat. Yeah, definitely from what I harvest. Oh
1: yeah, like if I had more free time, I. I eat only wild game yeah. with buying stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. What you talked about, yeah, shooting does, and I think that's another message too. You know, um, those deer proliferate so fast, so and, they're, fast. and they're so smart that yeah, it is doe management. You know, any wildlife management uh, in general, you you, when we take or or, or thinking. Um, managing the females of the species is what manages the population. Mm-hmm. Like you kill all the bucks you want, you're not going to make a dent. Not gonna because a one, dent. one buck will breed how many does, oh, you know? Oh my god. Yeah. But if you start taking out the does, there's only so much they can reproduce. Right. Right? So, um, you know, that has to be managed as well. We can't, you know, hunters can't get stuck in this like trophy attitude all the time that, right. there's, that you only kill bucks, you only kill rams. That's like an old, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I was a young kid, that's what some old Timers taught you, like you yeah. don't shoot these other things, but you know, you, you got to have, oh, a hunter has to have a, a bigger picture view on, on things and, right, you know, get a little deeper, kind of, that thinking is changing, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. Um, but back to your lanai hunt, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that thing was killer. Killer. That was a killer hunt.
1: Yeah. And I actually, there's a section in there with a huge buck. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a buck in a while like that. Um, it was 30 yards away, like yeah. right at my effective range with the stick ball and uh would have been an all time, you know, uh what happened. Yeah. I I didn't take that shot. You know, I just I didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, right. And this is the restraint that the hunter has to have. Um Yeah. I felt like he would come closer too. So I wanted to let him come closer but it didn't work out. I had a, you know, had I had a compound that thing be it'd be done. We'd be talking about we'd be talking about how big that there is right, right now instead or something. <laughs> but no, we're talking about, you know, I didn't get that shot. But I, at the end, um, you know, if my hunting friends are listening to this, uh, they, they'll they know this. Like, they call me a sandbagger. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe there's some truth to that. <laughs> like, I, I will, I'm the guy that will, like, I will hunt eight days and like the last half hour of the day, you might think, oh yeah, it's over. Even I think it's over, you know.
0: I and mean, then also, putting...
1: and I cannot tell you how many times I have finished my hunt tag, filled my tag in the last like, half hour of the last day. Right. Like, it's crazy. Like, I cannot tell you how many times. Like well, it seems almost you just time. came
0: off an incredible hunt, with a, an Ibex hunt, and where were you, New Mexico? Ibex
1: hunt in New Mexico, yeah.
0: And that's pretty much what happened.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like that, yeah. I, well, I didn't feel the tag, though, but um, a lot of people don't know that. There's Persian Ibex mm-hmm. in New Mexico. It's on the Florida Mountains. Oh, it's a public hunt. You have to draw a tag. Uh
2: huh.
0: And
1: How it, hard was that? It is regarded by many as the most difficult bow hunt to do how in the whole world. How North many America. times did you put in for it? This tag, I only put in once. Really? Ever. Score and I drew it. Yeah, even though another guy going this January, who would put in once and drew it. Like, wow. Like, total luck. Anyway, here's the odds. Um, there's six non-resident tags. Uh-huh. And uh, about uh, maybe almost, maybe 170 or something, 140 applicants. Wow. 100 applicants. So... Yeah, my odds of drawing were like 4% or something like that. I they like all. the Hawaii guys right now. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just, yeah, just drew it. And um, it was the toughest bow hunt I ever went on. Um, yeah. It's not, like an elk hunt's pretty tough. You go in the backcountry, I know you're going to Idaho elk hunting soon. Yeah. But, um, you know, heavy packs and staying out there late. The Florida mountains aren't a large set of mountains. They're just this... Deepest cliffs I have ever seen and in my rocky life. Rocky as hell. Rocky as hell. I went in January, it was cold and windy. Uh-huh. You know, like twenty degrees, which might not seem like much to some people. It's a lot, freezing cold for a Hawaii kids. Sure. But throw in thirty mile an hour wind all the time. Uh uh-huh. And it's like it's like single digits out there. Yeah. I, I think I just had a uh weird week though. I think some uh, like all these other guys are telling me that Haunted said, Oh, it's gonna be great weather, great stocking weather, fifty sixty degrees. Well, shit. Like I'm on there. <laughs> I was freezing my ass off. And uh, it was painful. Like my, my hands cracked. My, hey, my I've face been in cracked. areas where it's like 50
0: degrees, yeah. and I swear I was in the Antarctic. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, it's so cold. Uh, and they're like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, where's the jacuzzi, man? I gotta warm uh, my bones.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was cold enough that when you're driving down the highway, you know, you uh you know, use the washer fluid, uh-huh. it freezes instantly on your windshield.
0: Oh, that was cold. Yeah, like, yeah, because it's got the wind chill factor, yeah, too, yeah.
1: right? So, um, yeah, freezing, and uh, yeah, the day I left, we were in shorts and t shirts, though, so, like, mm-hmm. literally the la- the day after the last day of the hunt. But anyway, yeah, toughest bow hunt in the U.S., the success rate is like two percent, three percent. Usually those are the outfitters, uh, guys. You pay big dollars to right. guide you go up there. Um, me and my buddy Jake, we we, we did it ourselves. Mm. We're not rich people. We I can't pay for all of that stuff. And even if I could, quite honestly, I I kind of want to do it myself. I right. If I fail, I fail. You know. Sure. And I kind of did, but learned a ton. Um, I could have, have swore I, you shot something. Though. Yeah, I did. I I did hit a big guy, big. On maybe it's a fourteen or fifteen day hunt. I hit it somewhere on like the. 10th or 11th day maybe. Uh-huh. Um these are climbing cliffs like yeah. I oh, I can't even explain in words. Like anyone that's done it knows what I'm talking about, but if you haven't done it, like, you don't know. Like it's one of those things like ibex they're the they're the ultimate cliff critter. Like uh-huh. they defy gravity. Like uh-huh. man we have goats that can climb cliffs and you see sheep that can climb cliffs and all this kind of stuff. Ibex can literally, like... I think if you go on Google, there's, like, a picture of Ibex on, like, the side of a dam. I don't know if you've ever seen that photo. Mm. They can literally, like, climb concrete that is, like, vertical. No way. Like, I don't know how they do it. Like, we're standing on rocks there and I'm like, there's no way... There's no way the Ibex are on this, behind, you know, under that, this. They have, they're like, there. gecko feet. They're... It's ridiculous. Like, huh. like if... Yeah. They're the ultimate... They're the ultimate mountain critter, by far. I don't, I don't know anything can walk around cliffs like that. Yeah, just defy gravity. But so what happened this day? So this, what happened this, yeah. this,
0: this, this hunt?
1: Uh, we've, I've been looking at ibex for days, not being able to get close to them, driving me insane. And then uh, we finally, uh, we go back to this one area we've been seeing them. Uh, spotted them in the evening, watched them bed up they bed in the craziest cliffs. Like the way you find them is you just go to the place you look where you can't go. The most extreme spot? Yeah, and just start look at collapsing. the most extreme spot they'll be right there. You yeah. know, especially in the evenings and the early evenings and the and late and the mornings. And,
0: um... Where do they go to feed?
1: You know what? Like I hardly ever saw them feeding. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, they eat though. Like they do feed but literally like in January, it's so... I think they were cold too. Like uh-huh. the, in the morning, they'll just be sitting on the side of a rock standing still from like daybreak to like 1130. Huh. They don't move off that rock till like noon. And then they feed till like maybe 2, 3 and then they go back. Just in little
0: strands of grass that are really popping out somewhere. Yeah.
1: yeah. They just go off the cliffs, feed, go back right back up on the cliffs. Huh. And uh, yeah, they're hunted by mountain lions. There's mountain lions all over that, all over that mountain. So. Wow. They're pretty, uh, they're keen. They'll see, you know how mouflon. see. And like a mountain a,
0: lion's not going to get on that cliff. Yeah,
2: mouflon
1: see like a thousand yards, I see like 2,000 yards yeah yeah they're crazy, but um, get close and yeah, it' was a forty yard shot on a bunch of cliffs and didn't uh I didn't hit him where where I should have hit him it was uh one of those one of those things you know practice how, how big do you think he was uh you know, good ibex is like uh, probably a forty incher and I guess he was probably around there, maybe you know we're talking about the length, just the uh, the length of the of the horn kind of thing. But uh, just taking any Ibex over there is, is is a feat in itself. You know, that success rate I talked about, it doesn't matter whether it's a big one or a little one. That's the general success rate. But to get the big old white
0: billies mm-hmm. up there, yeah, it's like they're, impossible. Now their horns just fully go all the way back, just like you would find one in Spain or Turkey yeah. or yeah. Kazakhstan. The Persian, or, yeah, they're Persian,
1: yeah. Persian bizarre Ibex. They came from Iran, I believe. So amazing. In the 1970s, they were released in the mountains. And, uh, yeah, one of the most coveted... Well, if you're an extreme boat, extreme hunter, that's one of the most coveted tags. Yeah. Because it's just so tough. I mean, there are guys that are paying fifteen, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for guides for the whole week and they quit. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't know what they're getting into. Like, they... Go a few days up that on and they I can't go up it no more. <laughs> right, I I have yeah. a
0: friend in Spain named Pedro. <laughs> yeah, you, I know. Yeah, you I know, know Pedro. Pedro. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's always telling me, "Those are you got to get over here, and I'm going to take you, and we're going to go ibex, and he shot so many of these things. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah. are just
1: yeah. big. The Spanish ibex. Yeah, yeah. They got just, a different one. Yeah.
0: Well, he but he cruises everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's. I think he owns now kuyu for europe he,
1: yeah he yeah i think he works for kuyu, no yeah. i think he owns oh, it, maybe, kuyu yeah, they, europe.
0: that outlet yeah yeah. Like, yeah and um yeah it's so crazy <laughs> so crazy i'm just like okay i want to go yeah, yeah but i don't know if i can do the whole cool. mountain goat yeah and it's like where i'm the i'm the goat <laughs> you know <laughs> climbing the mountain <laughs>
1: oh yeah it's not a it's not a young man it's not an old man's Sport. like that thing is right, that's that, a that's that critical. sounds like a rifle hunt
0: yeah you know no yeah because like, you see the older men yeah. and they switched the rifle at that point oh yeah all the so time I'm not saying I'm old but you know still <laughs> that's freaking yeah like, I, you know, I'm going to Idaho that place is steep bro it's steep yeah it's steep L-20 and I've been going there every day. year and it's and I'll tell you what man I put in miles sure. on some vertical ass shit And I'm so excited. You know, the first couple of days, I'm like, holy hell, what the (laughs) hell am I doing? But, you know, after day three, I'm just like, all right, let's do this. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's an elk on the other side of that canyon there. I have to walk down 4,000 feet and then climb up another 4,000 feet. Vertical shit. You got to earn it. You know? Yeah. Just, and hope he's still there. When I get over there. Yeah. That's what, we,
1: that's what we live. That's what, you know, the <coughs> extreme bow hunter lives for. You oh, know, You yeah. live for that, the that, that challenge. I love I mean, it. It's a challenge to get the an animal, but there's also that personal battle within yourself. Like, you're, you're hiking up that thing and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, but the only way I'm going to get this done is I got to get my butt up that hill. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that whole ibex hunt, that's all I'm telling myself the whole week. Like, right, get your butt up the hill because ain't nothing happening down here. Like, yeah. You know, my buddy Jake spotting takes you five when I shot, took me five hours to get to it.
0: So, what happened after the shot?
1: Yeah, it uh uh hobbled away. I got it on video. Um, and then we went back the next day. Um, uh, went back the next day, trailed it all over cliffs, crazy stuff. Uh huh. And uh, we found it, we bumped it. Uh, he's under a tree, and then he, you know, most times they'll stop, take a break.
0: Right? Well, this, this guy was gone.
1: This guy went clear across the mountain, he went clear to the other side of the mountain, like. You know, we're talking maybe 2,000 feet more of elevation, uh-huh. maybe, a mile, maybe a mile and a half. And, um, yeah, gone. And then the next day, I hiked up there to go look for him, honestly. And, you know, we, we tried to find him. But he wasn't hit. I mean, he was kind of on three legs, but then he wasn't hit at a point where I thought he would be mortally wounded. I, I, I think he'll probably recover from it. It's right. just that uh, it'll take a little while.
0: Yeah. You know, one of our mutual friends, Justin Lee, was just in New Mexico as well. That's right. And he went antelope hunting. And, uh, you know, he caught what might be the biggest, or not caught, but he shot what might be the record antelope in New Mexico and uh, might be the second ever biggest shot with a bow. Really? Ever. Anyway. And uh, this thing's wow. huge. And you never see, you always see them, they're all black, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you never see them with the little white tips. Huh. His has got white tips on all the all the points. Wow. Pretty crazy. Huh. And he told me that he shot a 60-yard shot, mm-hmm. which is pretty, you know, Before, it's a good uh, shot, uh, but, you know, we all practice that all sure. the time. We're yeah. all really comfortable with 60-yard shots. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so he's like, yeah, it was like a normal shot. Boom, took the shot, ended up turning out bad, shot him in the back leg, Ooh. and then he tracked him for like seven or eight miles. And this is in the <laughs> wide <laughs> open, right? Yeah. And uh, luckily he had guys up on the mountain, the yeah. guides that were the with guides. him, and they were they had that thing in a spotting scope. Yeah. He tracked it for seven, eight miles, couldn't get any closer than 200 yards and that's obviously way out of uh, bow range. Yeah. Um finally the thing gets down into a low and it starts being followed by a coyote. Oh man. And so um this coyote just keeps pushing this freaking antelope. Justin was able to close the distance. <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know he sees and he videotapes it. And I'll wow. show you the videotape after wow. this. But he videotapes the coyote and the antelope facing off and starting to fight each other. <laughs> and, you know, all that coyote wants is that antelope. Yeah, and, you know, it's bleeding. Yeah. Wow. Antelope's not going to It was not a good shot. Mm-hmm. and uh, But Justin was able to close the distance, get to 20 yards. Wow. And while that antelope and that coyote were facing off, boom, double lunged it. Wow. Yeah, dropped it. <laughs> and he's now he's got this record book but he was persistent and he didn't give up and he followed that thing and um you know big different like i said um he he was also in the flats you know it looked like farmland yeah where you were on oh my goodness cliffs Cliffs. literally
1: uh literally i ranged on one of the cliffs i was standing on and it was 275 yards to the bottom (laughs) and i'm talking like down <laughs> like i don't know what what is that in feet like 700 oh, feet or something, something
0: yeah. yeah close eight. to a thousand feet yeah
1: i don't know it's far and yeah. i've never stood on a cliff like that tall in my life like wow and you become comfortable like i was totally uncomfortable when i like everyone says you don't know what you're getting into you know then you think ah oh, this macho thing i got this i got this you know right and you get up there and you're like holy crap I actually got to climb this thing like when you when you actually get closer you're like wow <laughs> this is ridiculous <laughs> this is life-threatening like you make one error you're gone you're gone you're done you're falling Close. and yeah i had a rock climber on on call too uh-huh. because uh usually if you get one it'll die in a, it'll die in a place that you human can't grab it without you know a rock climbing gear and stuff really yeah so this yeah these guys they go and repel to go pick up your ibex Wow. <laughs> it's, it's that's
2: it's crazy. crazy.
1: Yeah, uh there's a there's an outfitter out there. They teach guys to shoot off ropes. Really? Yeah. So these guys are G3 outfitters. I met them at the base of the hill and they're like, "Oh, uh if you guys get an Ibex and you need help, uh you know, give us a call. We got ropes." Said, oh, that's cool, you know. Give us his card and everything and um he said, "Oh, we got a group of guys up on these uh, on these hills they call the pancakes." Uh-huh. And it's like the pancakes are I think that's the biggest cliffs on that mountain because I walked on it, and um, <laughs> he said, "Oh, yeah, we got some guys up there. Maybe tomorrow morning they can get a shot off the ropes." And we're like, "Me and Jake, look at you. What do you mean get a shot off the ropes? Like I thought you meant you get the ropes to go get the ibex. You know, they, it's they have
0: the whole thing that goes around them, the harness and everything, <laughs> they slide <laughs> down and then they're
1: yeah. Psh, so the yeah, so the <laughs> clif- the cliff is so vertical that for you to lean over it and shoot an ibex below you." You can't do that safely, You'll right? You'll fall over. You'll fall right? over. So they'll they'll harness you up, send you over the edge, tilt you over so you can shoot straight down.
2: What <laughs> the hell? Oh he, said, my
1: God. he said like maybe half of the clients or something like that will do it. But, the, you know, the others aren't totally comfortable with that. I would so do that.
2: <laughs> I would totally do that. I,
1: but they, I don't know what he said. He said they'd taken like two vibex or something, two or three doing that. Wow. But these are like in many years, you know. It's it's such a slow success rate,
0: right? So my question is: Would you do it again? Absolutely. Like go I, on I look, hunt again.
1: I look forward to no other tag, honestly. Yeah. Like like if if you told me, all right, you can only have one tag, and I can't do this when I'm old, though. This is a right. young man. So I, oh yeah, for sure. How old, um, old are you? I am thirty three now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, hope hopefully before like I'm forty five, I can go again. <laughs> but,
0: uh, <laughs> before um, you're my age. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like I'll the, do it right now. I'll yeah. tell you what. Fifty years old, I will. I get that. Huh? Hey, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm doing it.
1: Like the, I mean, the outfitter guys. They, they're old guys out there with the outfitters, and they get yeah. it done. But the outfitters, they, you know, they bust their butt to to get their clients on them. Yeah. You know, when you go out there without any knowledge by yourself, oh man, you're getting. It's hard. Yeah. But uh
0: but that's some of the best things, fun. you know. Like the first time I went to Idaho Alconic. I had no clue. Did I had yourself, nothing. Yeah. I just went out there. Yeah, and I just did it.
1: Yeah, just like, yeah. I went to Wyoming elk hunting, and the then
0: week. I I was hooked yeah. ever since.
1: Yeah, we did the same thing, me and Jake. We we literally bought our elk calls like the week before mm-hmm. the season. I literally I got mine literally days before. I still can't
0: bugle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I learned
1: while I was there. <laughs> like right, I showed up at his house that night. Oh, I tried. In, in Wyoming and I'm like teaching myself how to use the bugle then.
0: I bought I, five different bugles <laughs> and I still can't really, figure them out, man. Uh, I'm like hoochie mama.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Press the button. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, yeah, I gotta figure it out. But yeah, it was a heck of an experience.
0: But I also found out that don't you don't need to sit around and try and be as quiet as possible. No, no elk. You know, yeah, make noise yeah. with an elk. It's interesting. Break, break yeah. branches. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Scratch freaking trees. I'll take a, I'll find a big old stick. And, you know, I'll make sure I step on branches yeah. and I'll find a big old stick and I'll just smash it against a tree uh-huh. and start raking up and down yeah. and breaking branches. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a really good way of calling them in. Oh, man.
1: yeah. I wish I had it on video. I That elk hunt I missed like a, maybe a 320 type bowl. No uh, way. My stick bowl. Wow. At like 15. It was 15 yards for the longest time. In Utah? Uh, no, Wyoming. Oh, shit. 2014. I have yeah. a video of that hunt. The video's on YouTube, but yeah. uh, I don't have the video of elk because I was so busy trying to learn how to hunt one that I didn't really have a whole lot of time to film them. Right. So I don't really have any footage of like tons of elk. I just have footage of us walking around and stuff like that. But,
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh, yeah, just crazy. And you're talking about not making noise. Well, how he came was... Uh, I bugled Adam, you know, getting them really aggressive. And when I was walking up the hill, uh, I guess I made some noise and the his cows heard me, the female elk with him. And they came thundering down the mountain to check me out. Right. They came to look at me. They thought I was another bull, I think.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So they came thundering down the hill and they almost ran me over like, like they were feet away. And yeah. they stopped right in front of me. Like, oh, I guess they were expecting an elk. <laughs> and, right. And here's the, you know, what is this thing? And, um, when the when the cows leave the bull, he gets pissed. Oh yeah! Like he just he screams his head off, you I know. Bet. He bobbles his head off, and he came coming down the hill, and that's yeah, that's how I got a shot at him. But uh, yeah, well, I hit a you, twig.
0: <laughs> have you seen uh, that? I've got this new sponsor. There, it's called Ultimate Predator. Have you sure. seen that stuff? Yeah, I looked Where at they the, have website, the decoys yeah, yeah. Well, that that's when it's perfect to have one of those decoys. So this year I've actually got the elk decoy. I'm going to have it set up on, your on bull, my right. boat. Yeah. And uh, today, this one dude just shot this massive bull uh-huh. with a decoy on, you uh-huh. know? And so you just hold that decoy up and they don't see you. Uh-huh. And that's the key. You know, you can make all the noise you want yeah. as long as they don't see you. Uh-huh. You know, and if you got that that decoy right there, all they're uh-huh. doing is they're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... So I'm really, really excited to try this out because you just hide right behind this thing, but mm-hmm. yet it's set up on your bow so that you can see right through it. You can shoot. Everything's perfect. Wow! And it's pretty badass. Yeah. They have all different kinds of versions. Um, I've got a whitetail deer. Um, actually, I just gave that to Shane so he could borrow. <laughs> um, I've got a cow. It's a regular cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, like a ranch cow. Like a ranch <laughs> <Yeah>. cow. Daisy. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um uh, they've got turkeys, oh. which I heard work really, really well. Wow. Because a oh, lot yeah. a lot of the deer, a lot of the feral animals. Um and it on the mainland they'd be normal animals, not feral. Native, sure. Native, yeah. right. But uh, you know, they utilize the turkeys and the chickens. Mm-hmm. As kind of their watch dogs, so pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. We're talking about shooting, you know, big bulls and big ibex and stuff like that. But uh, you know, just on a, you know, we're talking about shooting uh, females too and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, the the Wyoming hunt. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, cow elk. Mm -hmm. I was expecting to see tons of cows and few bulls. You know, it's kind of what you see on TV, right? But I didn't. I saw as many bulls as I saw cows. Actually, in some wow. sense, I saw more bulls than I saw cows. Wow! So, you know, if there was a ton of cows, I'd have maybe took it, took a cow out, you know, just just for meat or something like that. But uh, yeah, I didn't see that crazy imbalance. So yeah, I went mm. hunting bulls. But
0: did you get? To go. No,
1: I, I had that miss. It took me like uh, eight days to get that shot. Yeah. First time hunting with stick bull. Like, had I had a, cow? I mean, there were other shots within forty, fifty yards. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I struggled. I feel sorry for my buddy Jake. Like I, he's over there with his compound, you know, want to want to hunt, and right. here I am, came all the way from Hawaii. He's given me chance, but here are all these big ass bulls. You and where's he away. from? He's from here. He's from Hawaii, oh, okay. but he he moved to Wyoming. Yeah. Um, because he got sad of all the hunting disappearing here, sure. so he left and and lives in Wyoming right now. Yeah. Um, and having a blast, but uh, that's
0: hunting on yeah. the mainland yeah. stuff too, though.
1: Oh yeah, it's. It's, less it's so s- seasonal, seasonal, but you got to
0: you got to learn to shoot everything. Yeah. You know, it's like um, okay, well, now we have like I personally hate turkey hunting. Uh-huh. It's like <laughs> so boring. You know, these things walk right up to us. Uh-huh. But over on the mainland, it's like huge. So it's springtime. Oh my gosh! But there's
1: not, not much else to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> but
0: you're utilizing every single opportunity that they give you. Yeah. So um, you're not just a bow hunter, yeah. but you're a rifle hunter. You're, You're a shotgun hunter. A uh, muzzle loader. Mm-hmm. You know, you just take advantage of every single thing that they can give you. Yeah, yeah. So it's
1: well, up there is beautiful. Like they actually sell you tags, they actually know how much people right. take, they have seasons, they have all these things that uh create order with uh-huh. with how we hunt. Well, Hawaii's not like that. No. And it's so sad. You no. know. Like we have all these special resources, you know, fishing or hunting resources here and we don't have that kind of system right. and when we try to make that system we get resistance mm-hmm. which is like mind-boggling i mean we, we don't we live we don't have a fishing license in hawaii you know <laughs> crazy like people from the mainland come here and like they they come hunting with me and they go oh you know you go fishing right yeah i go fishing so, oh maybe you want to go fishing yeah dude you can go to walmart buy a fishing pole and go fishing he's like oh you don't need a license or anything like <laughs> no, no you don't no. like are you kidding
0: me Lost like it yeah
1: they're like well how do they how do they have enforcement? how do they enforce the laws or pay wardens and all this stuff? They're like, "Well, we do with taxpayers, but right. you know we, ha- we it's not a priority I mean it's crazy like we live in the middle of the ocean, we have all this great resource and such uh such uh lackad- way of going about managing it oh
0: yeah. and that, so and sad. that goes to the same with as far as uh limits That's on the good. type of fish. Yeah, then we're out there, you know. Yeah. Um, you find a net out there, you catch fifty five mollies, yeah and uh, yeah. or you know, lobster season, you see these guys and um, and they just freaking just line Go them up. Them. Yeah. you look at social media and there's fifty lobsters, yeah, I mean, on the it, driveway and yeah, I mean, you know, twenty yeah. parrotfish, which parrotfish, you know, are um, they're the ones that keep our reefs clean. They're the ones Some that degree, yeah. They yeah. eat the algae and keep the coral. They the eat coral. algae. Right. They make our beaches. Yeah, uh, you know when we're in Fiji, it's they're you pooping sand. Shoot <laughs> <those>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're pooping poop. sand. <laughs> yeah. They do not let you shoot those. Oh, I see. Period. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, in general, like the the er, I think the er, er, herbivore fish are the ones that yeah they keep the reef clean and yeah. um, uh, control the algae growth and the cor- and in turn promote coral.
2: Um, right. But uh,
1: yeah it's it's in hawaii yeah we don't i mean some species we can take a lot of like taco and stuff they have such short lives and they reproduce yeah, so fast exactly but uh yeah we don't uh sometimes there's no rhyme or reason why we do things out here and it's uh i wish that would change yeah because yeah. it's so it's, it's so cultural and uh, mm-hmm. emotionally important to us fishing oil, and, and hunting that yeah it, <laughs> I can't. I can't understand why we have resistance for wanting to keep it. You know, for wanting to do things right. to secure its future. Uh, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, super crazy. Well, you know yeah. what? We've been at this for wow, an hour and forty minutes. Hour forty a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a question yeah. I always ask everybody. Yeah. At the end of each podcast, and um, I love the supernatural. <laughs> okay.
1: My wife is all into that, dude. Really? Yeah.
0: And so I've experienced some really, really cool things okay. in my life. Um, and, you know, I always ask everyone if they've ever experienced anything supernatural, whether it be ghosts or <laughs> aliens or whatever oh, it is. Goodness, you know, I, everybody's got a story of something. Oh, yeah. And uh, so if you got something, share it with us. We want to hear it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I can, there's two that come up. To me, in my mind, uh, there's one, what I think some people call it a phenomenon like that night terrors. I've never right. heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Where like you're stuck on the ground. It, uh-huh. Like, you know you're awake, but you can't move. Right. And it feels like there is someone on you. like right. Like pressing. Sitting on your chest. Like sitting right. on you, like pressing you. But this one is a little different. Like usually those things, like someone wakes up and they, and they notice it immediately. I have a different one like i I was lying in a, in this one room just lying on the like taking a nap on the ground, and uh I was awake like I know I was awake, you know mm-hmm. like i'm I'm sitting there lying awake, and I feel something like I feel like there's something on my left side, and then it it literally feels like someone's standing like standing over like like in my face, but I can't see anything right and then I try to get up and move, and my uh like I just feel this heavy weight. I can't move. I can't do anything. I can't even talk. I can't scream. And my, uh, my how old were you? Oh, this was just like three, three years ago, maybe Really? Four years ago.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's
1: wild. And like that was that that freaked me out. Uh, and um, you know, I used to rent this one place. We would hear footsteps. Oh yeah, all the time. I know okay. that one well. Oh, my God. Like and and, and and I try to test this hypothesis. You know, I try to test it. Like, no, it can't be that. It's got to be like expansion of the ground or creaking and all that stuff. And I was telling my wife this the longest time. Like, yeah, it's just that, you know. Because I don't believe in Right. I, I try not to believe in these things.
0: Well, the mana's strong here, brother. Oh. <laughs> it's oh, really strong. Yeah,
1: you can see the trails and stuff. Oh, and yeah. It's crazy. Oh.
0: So what happened? The anyway, footsteps. yeah, the
1: footsteps. So, yeah. I put stuff, like... Uh, heavy stuff on the ground there Because I noticed When you walk The glue on the ground You can hear that But I put heavy things there So you can't hear it When you walk around Right And I still hear the thing And it's is like th- Is
0: this in your house Where no, you No, No,
1: not where I live Not where I used to rent before uh-huh. <laughs> And we moved Like You uh, got to
0: go back And ask Just knock on the door Say hey <laughs> Yeah Do you guys ever hear Somebody walking up And down the stairs <laughs> Yeah You know <laughs> We moved <laughs> Oh my goodness You might be amazed What they tell you Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I
1: don't know Yeah, we moved Um because of of that uh partially really i mean with the rent was higher too but we just moved because yeah that 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 made it easier to move we're like okay well the rent's gonna be cheaper at this other place and we're not gonna have to hear all this walking around Uh, you know like it just uh, seems like there's these things like right freak me out i mean i'm getting chicken skin talking about it oh yeah and uh another one hunting um driving down saddle road my buddy was in the truck with me and he saw it you know anyway there was this thing there's this guy walking with a yellow poncho uh-huh. on the side of the road, and I drove right past it like it's it's about maybe nine at night. I'm coming down, and I gotta drive home to saddle now great right, right, Freaking me <laughs> out. Shit. but I uh, love it, yeah I'm going to people in a whole section honestly, okay, yeah, and uh there's just and we're I'm slowing down because it's nine at night and there shouldn't be anyone walking out there. You know, it's 30, 40 sure. miles an hour to the miles to the nearest town.
0: And it's 7,000 foot elevation.
1: Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's way yeah. up there. It's cold. So there's, there's this poncho, like, walking on the road, on the right-hand side of the road, and I'm going down. And I slow down, okay? I slow down, and I'm looking at it, looking at it really intently because I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of pe- person that just freaks out and be like, oh, I got to help someone. Like, I look at their hands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what do they do? You know, is this a bad person, or a good person? Before, sure. you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I immediately notice, like, there's no feet. Oh. Look, dude, like, there, there's, no, there's no boots. Like, there's no uh, legs. This, 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 uh, this poncho thing is... is With a head and arms. Is... Yeah, I can't see a face, though, because it's, it's got a hood on, you know. Right. It's, got a, it's a poncho. You can't see the arms because there's no... You know, it's a poncho. It's not like a raincoat. You know, oh, yeah. It, it, you know, the bigger, wide ones. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's no feet. <laughs> unless the unless the shoes were black or something. <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty sure I look real good. There's no feet. I sped up and drove right past her. Like I wasn't stopping. You and know? your buddy was in the car with me. My it? buddy's in the car. He didn't say a thing. Did he like, see it though? Yeah, he saw it. Yeah. Like we I drove past it and I was thinking, Oh, he's gonna tell me, Oh man, oh, you know, what about that guy? You know, what was that? He didn't say anything. We drove down for like uh maybe two minutes or so, you know? I was like, Dude, did you see that? He's like, Oh yeah, I saw that. I was like, what you think? I was like, yeah, we ain't stopping. <laughs> 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 <was> like, okay. <laughs> that that freaked me out. Like I I've, I've never seen um, you know, hear footsteps, you get night terrors, you get pushed, or things like that. But when you physically see uh yeah. something, like a like an apparition or something like that, and oh man, dude, like I I geek out on like, you know that show Ghost Adventures? Yeah, yeah, you ever see that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Me and my wife used to love watching that stuff. I stopped watching because it, it freaks me out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, to see something.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I've totally uh, experienced all kinds of cool stuff like that and <laughs> and firsthand. And there was one time I was over in Maui, and I've got this place over um, just outside uh, Kahului. It's, um, what's that town? Wale- Wailua? Wailua. Kahului. Oh, um, you know, we're, Wailuku? uh, going Wailuku, the yeah. Wailuku. EO, yeah. so, um, it's right outside EO Valley, yeah, literally EO Valley, right yeah. outside EO Valley. Yeah. So it's Wailuku, it's right there. And I'm hunting in that whole zone there along the highway, uh, Mauka side of the highway, uh-huh. um, between, um, what is it? That golf course right there. Um, Maui Lani. Oh, okay. And Waiko road. Cool. yeah so uh Maui Lani owns all that so they gave me permission I'm in there dude it's all sand dunes well the whole entire place I'm like chicken skinning up right now as we uh. talk it's the archaeologists have been in there and they've put orange barriers around every one of the spots yeah um, they're all graves wow mass graves because Right in that zone, there were massive battles that were fought. Holy shit. And um, <laughs> when, they, when you do any work in there, and it's like I said, it's all sand dunes, um, any bulldozing work that has to do anything in that whole valley zone, and it's the Valley Island, um, you have to have an archaeologist right there because as soon as you start bulldozing, dude, you're popping up bones. Oh, my goodness. And uh, certain areas, all of a sudden, you find mass graves. Whoa. And, you know, because they'd have a ferocious battle and freaking, you know, it's like all these warriors from a different whoa, side whoa. of the island or from a different island, whoa. you know, they'd just grab all the dead and they'd put them all in this hole, whoa. you know, their own. They gave a proper burial to, Yeah, but it was other than that, it was just big freaking mass graves. Wow. And, um, so I'm in this zone and they've, put concrete lids on some of these, you know, that are some of the big ones and it's crazy. And so I'm in there hunting and there's access to here everywhere and it's right before dark. It's that last light and I'm sitting yeah. up on a hill and one night, and I've, this happened quite a few different oh. nights where I'm sitting there and it's Kiavi forest. So oh. you can imagine that's mesquite yeah, for yeah, anybody for that's sure. on the mainland Big giant thorns, big giant thorns, and so I see these three guys, Hawaiian guys, oh god, all in white, barefoot, old school style, oh. walking through this kiavi forest, and they're all separated from maybe a few yards apart from each other. Wow, oh. you know, yeah, and all three of them are walking same direction, and I'm like, what the oh, I just like, yeah, chill. Yeah, right now I'm freaking out. Um, And I see him crossing across all these burial areas. I'm like, what the
2: hell? (laughs) You
0: know? And then, boom, they're gone.
2: Oh, my goodness. And
0: then there was another night where all of a sudden I see a fire burning up on this one sand dune, you know? And I look over there, and the three guys are all standing right there. I freaking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to see what the hell this is. And I go, I go up there. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea of the stuff that I've experienced before this. Oh, yeah. So I want to go see what's going on here. So I go up there. There's no fire and there's no dudes. Oh, my God. But it was a full blown fire, bro. <laughs> Smoke, freaking going everywhere, flames. These three brought us standing there all oh in their goodness. white. Yeah. There's wow. nothing. Oh man yeah, dude, I've got stories I can tell you that will blow your mind yeah blow your mind yeah there's from uh, every island, oh my goodness, yeah from the mainland, I don't know. I just kind of opened myself up to it
1: I think oh. there's people like that like man. <sighs> like they they have this way of uh eh. I, try, I try to be dumb so like I don't I'm closed, you know right, but the open people. Like, they, they seem to attract these things, I think. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, bro.
0: <laughs> it was when Ghost Hunters first started coming out, remember? Oh, my goodness, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go find me some ghosts. Oh, man. And I think that opened me the up deal, for man. that. And then from that point on, and yeah. that's why I always ask these questions, because I want to know what everybody else has experienced. So, oh, yeah. Pretty yeah. nuts, man. There's,
1: I'm an engineer and, you know, science-based. I gotta have all this proof, you know, so,
0: Seeing is believing. That thing, Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I don't know how to explain it, there's, there's something. <laughs> Ponto,
0: nice. Ponto Lefty walking down the freaking yeah. road, man, I'm not legless.
1: No 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 no. Drugs or nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: No, you seem like a pretty sane dude. Yeah, it's, you know? it's scary. But it you have to drive that road home. I gotta tonight. go back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> ah. I can't
1: believe I just did that to myself.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, make sure you text me when you get home. So All right. and if you see oh, something, videotape it.
1: I'm not turning around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, just, you'll have your phone right there. Just immediately, yeah. I showed you that trick on my phone today. So, oh yeah, you hold just move yeah. and video tape real quick. <laughs> but um, oh, no, we're goodness. gonna wrap things up here because yeah. you do have a long drive home. Um, yeah. We're almost two hours in. Where can people find you now? You have a YouTube channel. You have social media. Do you have a Facebook? website?
1: Uh no, I don't have a website. I used to have one, but I don't. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. Okay, so.
0: well let's give all the links to everything that you have.
1: Oh, right uh, my now. YouTube one. You can just search YouTube, uh Ryan Kohatsu on the YouTube Okay. And, um, how do you spell your last name? K O H uh, A T S
0: U. Okay. So Facebook?
1: My Facebook is the same thing. You can search me there. Uh, it's all it's public. Yeah. Okay. And uh Instagram, same thing, just one word, Ryan Kohatsu. Uh,
0: cool. Yeah. Um okay. and then everybody's gonna be able to so, uh also locate you through my social media uh, and my website. And through this podcast. <coughs> and uh, Ryan, super excited to have you on the show, bro. Oh, no, this a great so one, man. Thank you so much. I it's want to have you back on.
1: been awesome. Yeah, I mean, we. Uh, any last message just honors you tonight, man. Because that, that's what I'm all about. Protecting, yeah, Protecting Protecting our, our, our uh, lifestyle, I would say.
0: Well, I seriously think that you need to run for office. So, <laughs> and I will put uh, up a whole bunch of people... Together to make that happen.
1: Yeah. And, oh boy. We'll we'll all vote for you, dude. <laughs> Let's
0: start off small, city council, something like that. You know? Uh, just work your way up.
1: Yeah, I gotta think about that one stuff.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> My We're, wife would freak out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh Ryan, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you very much. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and until next time, uh we hope. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan, for being on the show. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And a special thanks goes out to Mokulele Airlines. They're a family-operated and owned business that tries to make your inner island travel as easy and affordable as possible with over 120 flights daily throughout the Hawaiian Islands with no TSA. Um, So why would you not want to book your next trip or upcoming vacation with Mokulele Airlines? They also have... A new uh, island-wide tour, or at least a big island tour and Maui tour starting out of Kapalua. So if you're over in Maui and you want to jump on a cool flight and uh, get to listen to some cool songs from Anuhea and I think Jake Shimabukuro while you're flying, and uh, it's all recorded, it's pretty cool, man. you got to go check them out. Check them out at Mokulele.com or on Facebook at Mokulele, Twitter at Mokalele Air and Instagram at Mokulele Airlines. Um, Hurley Clothing, badass clothes on the planet. They sponsor the show, and uh, Bob's a good friend of mine. remember when he started this business a long time ago, and it's been rocking ever since. He's got all the top riders riding for him and and surfing and all kinds of other action sports. Um, Definitely want to be on their team and wear their clothing, so go check them out at hurley.com. Uh, green Organic Energy Drink. These guys are legit, man. They're coming out with new flavors this next month. I'm really excited. They've got, uh, you know, our favorite one that we always drink. It's, um, it's kind of a combination of uh, green tea to give you that natural boost, hydrating coconut water to keep you going strong, and kale to keep your body loaded up with phytonutrients. But guess what? Now we've got a pineapple Flavor coming out and we have a guava flavor coming out so I'm really excited about this stuff we're gonna be doing some giveaways with them here real soon um, but uh, the fact is guys if you haven't tried green energy drink yet you don't know what you're, you' you seriously don't know what you're missing um, but you know we do have a little promo so if you go to uh, gr3 en.org, And punch in promo code DOZER3. You can get a three-can trial pack for free. You just pay the flat rate USPS postage to get the cans delivered to your door. This stuff sells for around three bucks a can in the store. So um, here's your chance to get three cans for free. And we're going to make it so it's one of each flavor. So you can try them all. And uh, you're going to love it. So go to gr3en.org and use the promo code DOZER3 and get a three-can trial pack for free. Um, there's also a link on my website, so check it out. Oakley sunglasses, best glasses in the world, man. They have the prism lenses. I love them. i just got some new ones. One uh, of the Two-Face XLs. They're pretty rad, man. They make me look pretty pretty cool. I'm going to be in California in two weeks, so maybe you guys will see me wearing those around, and uh, I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm going to go get some Oakley's to go to oakley.com where you can find all your favorite glasses. Uh, Deuce Gym over in Venice Beach. Yep, you'll find me there too in a couple of weeks. Uh, These guys are the best, man. They will customize a workout especially for you whether you're 8 or 80. Um, You want to do cardio, strength training, strongman, crossfit. They'll do it all, man. And uh, they'll take care of you big time. So go check them out. You can find them all social media at Deuce Gym um, or just go right down into Venice Beach. You can't miss them. They're right there. I think they're on Washington so, uh, or Lincoln. Lincoln. They're on Lincoln. One of the presidents, I knew that. <laughs> Kona Coffee and Tea is where I get my morning crack every morning. Um, check them out at konacoffeeandtea.com. Uh, you can get all the best uh, coffee. It's grown right here on the Big Island, up on the slopes of Wuala Lai, Roasted fresh daily and brought down to us so that we can drink it every morning as fresh as it gets. Go check them out. KonaCoffeeNT.com Maverick Sport Fishing. Um, my friend Captain Trevor Child, best captain around. Um, phone number 808-896-7985. These guys specialize in uh, half-day charters, three-quarter-day charters, full-day charters, and overnight charters. I'm the sickest boat in the harbor since AC, 40-foot. You know, bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchen, living room. Uh, So killer, man. They'll get you hooked up on the biggest fish of your life. for sure, at least they'll try. Remember, it's fishing. It's not catching. So, check them out. MaverickSportFishing Kona.com Um, Original Nutritionals. These guys aren't just your regular meathead supplement brand. It's pure, basic, and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. My buddy Logan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to all the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it, right? Head over to OriginalNutritionals.com, grab what you need, and for listening... All you got to do is enter in promo code DOZENOSE at checkout you get 15% off. That's 15% off with Do's nose at checkout. Originalnutritionals.com. And they just sent me some really good protein powders and some, uh, some fish oils. So I'm really excited about it. So I've been pounding those things. GoPro. pro. Um, They've been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves, engage in their sport. GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves, engage in their interests, whatever they may be, from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer. GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. So go check them out at GoPro.com, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn um, Also uh, I would like to thank Ultimate Predator Gear and uh, you can find them at ultimatepredatorgear.com and just Ultimate Predator on all social media and these guys are rad man, they've got, um, they're a new sponsor they've got the sickest decoys that attach to your bow or you can attach them to a tree and maybe a deer, an elk, a turkey a cow uh, you name it, they've got them all I'm going to try this elk out on my elk hunt in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm really, really excited. I've been seeing people that are already out there hunting right now using these decoys, and they're working. They're killer. They're absolutely killer. They also make this really killer camera that uh, either mounts on your head or on your bow, and it um, does a really good job. It's got a zoom and everything on it. It's just, I'm in love with these things so go check them out ultimatepredatorgear.com and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and until next time uh we go everybody knows those
2: no. everybody knows those knows, 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 knows. everybody knows those and if you don't know now you knows everybody knows those songs knows. Everybody knows those, no. Everybody knows those. And if you don't know, now you know. Everybody knows those, no.